we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889 3675. So sit back, relax, and remember Southern Sense is common sense. emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, you're likely to find chaos and plenty of empty shelves. So how do you avoid this? Well, it's simple. You use today to make a plan to prepare for things that may happen. It's a hurricane, earthquake, blizzard, or even social unrest, especially in today's political environment. The practical place to start is by storing up food in your home. And I use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. If you don't have an emergency food supply, it's time to do so. Here's a great item that makes it really simple. A two-week food kit that comes in a rugged tote. And it's only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithsouthernsense.com, or call 888-441-7290. This food kit includes breakfast, lunch, and dinners that will last up to 25 years on your storage shelves. So order now and prepare yourself, and then rest easy. So it's very simple. Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsouthernsense.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. 
Well, if you want to insist, you can still go to 888-441-7290 or go to my website, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Be prepared. All right. Let's see how much we can mess the opening up again. Hello. Welcome to Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Entertainment Network, half a dozen other places such as iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, uh, iHeartRadio, all the heck with it. Like I said before in the commercial, just go to the name of the show, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Oh, bear with me for a second. I forgot to turn my light on. Uh, You're listening to the hostess that screwed up the mostest. Uh, Come on, light, 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 light. There we go. There we go. That looks a lot better. I'm looking at myself in the camera going, oh, my God, you look awful. (laughs) Welcome to Southern Sense. And my co-host is probably on the other end of the line shaking his head going, as usual, she messed up the the start of the show. No. (laughs) Welcome aboard, Curtis. I'm just taking it all in. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. I I knew I was – my sister came over to uh, take my mom out this afternoon uh, while I do the radio show. Uh, those that don't know, my mom had a stroke a little over a year and a half ago. She's 89. She's now living with me. Uh, so I've had my hands full. So my sister one day a week comes over and takes her out. <laughs> so I'm walking past my sister goes, I know I forgot to do something. Yeah, the studio light. It helps if you turn the studio light on so that the camera shows who you are and you're not sitting there in the dark doy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, we've got ourselves a rocking and rolling good show. I mean, it is jam packed today. And actually, next week is already booked up, believe it or not. Um, uh, we've got. Uh, Today we have uh, the film producers, uh, Daphne Barak and Bill Ganusti. Uh They've got a new book out um, called Struggling for uh, One America. Uh, they have the uh, movie they put out, Trump versus Hollywood, The Two White Houses. Um, they have a website called Fighting for One America. Uh, we also have two friends of yours and ours are now the show. Both state representatives from Florida, Webster Barnaby and Mike Hill. We love Mike. Cousin Mike, I call him. And now, uh, bi-monthly, we have from the uh, Epic Times, or Epoch Times, depending upon if you're speaking it in Greek or or English, Mark Tapscott. So twice a month, he'll be coming on, uh, talking about what's going on at the Hill. And for those who don't know, that's Washington, D.C. And I'm going to follow uh, with our usual weekly guest from the Heritage Foundation. And this week, it's going to be Joel Griffith. He's a research fellow at the Rowe Institute at Heritage Foundation. And um, the book that Daphne and Bill wrote uh, is as a result of the film they did. I'm trying to get it before the camera, Struggling for One America. Uh, it's up on our show page, too, uh, if you're listening in on Blog Talk Radio, watching the graphics. Um, as, as I'm going through the book, towards the very end, in the last chapter of the book, Curtis, guess who's in that book on paragraph three, page 232? Would it be you or me? (laughs) You. (laughs) You're wishful thinking. (laughs) It is me. They mentioned me in their book uh, just very briefly. They don't mention the show. They just mentioned they came on for a radio interview. 
uh, with uh, Kevin Sarbo's wife, Sam, and Ted Nugent's wife, uh, Shemaine. Uh, Daphne came in with the rapper Money B, and we were talking about the film. Uh, so consequently, from the film, they ended up writing this book because they found because of the pandemic and because of President Trump's presidency, a lot of things changed in America. And they were asking, can we still talk? Can one side of America still talk with the other side? I say yes, as long as the conversation is civil. Once it becomes, you know, name calling and everything else, you know, I'm backing off. I'm out of here because now you're not someone that could be reasoned with. And basically, that's what she's done in this book. There is a way for us to have a conversation. But, you know, we've got to just find a way to converse with each other and to agree to disagree. But there's no reason to resort to violence or all the other things we see going on with Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all the other extremists you see in this nation. I mean, I'm sorry, January 6th was a provocation and we know for a fact Antifa had set intruders into that to provoke the crowd. And a lot of those people would not have done what they did if they had not had people out there provoking them to go into uh, the Congress. And yet you got to also question well, why the Capitol Police the opening the barriers. And, and Curtis, yeah. if you notice, if you watch the films – the, the police opened the barriers, ushered them through. Now, and there were rope lines. There were they were walking within these velvet ropes, these red velvet ropes, peacefully. So that means they were ready for this crowd to come into the Capitol ahead of time. This is not something you throw up last minute. So uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi has a lot to answer for. So go ahead, Curtis. Well, I was just going to say. The irony of all of this madness focus on one one day's event when you don't hear anything about Portland and the long hot summer where this went on, you know, night after night, um, Black Lives Matter and Tifa and all of them tearing up their city. No investigation, no outrage, but something happens in Washington, and I mean it's. it's it's not anything we provoked, and all of a sudden, you know, we got a major crisis. But they yeah. ignore yeah. what happened over the summer in Portland, Oregon. Well, all the, all these places, Amazing. the homelessness that is in Los Los Angeles, the the rampant homelessness that's in the city of New York, or people crapping on the sidewalk. Um, what is uh. I was watching Newsmax, and they had one of the guests on. He's a frequent one. Uh, he's a radio host, and I'm sorry, uh, was it Mike Savage? It might have been. I was talking that he's sitting at a window seat in a restaurant oh, yeah, in L.A. Savage. Yep, and a homeless guy walks directly up in front of the window, directly where he's sitting, drops his drawers, and takes a poop right in front of him. Now, if Dr. that is Michael not saying Savage. in your face, I don't know what is. And these quality of life violations are not being enforced. Now, if you don't enforce the quality of life, then the next thing you know, there's rampant wholesale writing. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That is what's happening already. How many CBS stores have closed in San Francisco, L.A., and other cities that the riot are going in? 
How many other businesses have closed because of the rioting? How many storefronts are forever boarded up on Fifth Avenue in New York City? Yeah. You don't enforce the very simple quality of life violations. It escalates all the way on up the chain food ladder of the criminal element. And then you've got wholesale rioting. And oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Record number of shootings in Detroit and Chicago. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I forgot. St. Louis has now surpassed in the per person murder. Murder of, believe it or not, black on black crime in the hood of people killing each other. St. Louis now surpasses Detroit and Chicago, New York, L.A. That is not something to be proud of, folks. Somewhere along the way, law and order must be reestablished or this nation will forever fall into anarchy. And the next step after anarchy, in order to pull us back out of this, would be total tyranny. And that's what we're seeing right now. Total tyranny starting to be imposed because we don't have the basic law enforcement because what? You defunded the police. You handcuffed the police. You turned around and said, no bail, New York. You do these certain crimes, uh, you just sign the desk appearance ticket and you're out. Forget it. The cop hasn't even gotten his uniform off and headed home before you're out back on the streets committing your next crime. Somewhere along the way, we as a nation have to cry, stop. Stop. Let's go back to our founding principles. Let's reclaim this nation. And we've got to do it today. We've got to do it now. That's yeah, my rant for it, the first start of the show. <laughs> is it any wonder why police recruitment is way down across the board? You know, nobody wants to um, get on into law enforcement these days because they may be charged with, you know, a crime, you know, in performance of their duty. So, you know, it's, it's a sad situation, but it's a reality. There are deficiencies in the, the, the number of people who are going into law enforcement, and you have to wonder what's going to happen to these cities as crime is on the rise, especially in New York. Crime is on the rise. Well, just throw another little dart into that bubble that people are out there think they have of this you know, all is pie in the sky, fine. Um, when you cannot recruit quality people to become your law enforcement, what are you stuck with? The bottom of the barrel, the dregs. The very people who should never don that uniform will then become your law enforcement. And then, folks, you want to talk about total loss of control? If you can't depend upon that law enforcement office to come and protect you and you're more afraid of them harming you, you got a real problem on your hands. you got a huge problem on your hands. And that's what's going to happen. If you can't get good quality people in there to become your law enforcement officers, you've got no law enforcement at all. You better head for the hills, locked and loaded. You better do a Ted Nugent and become a survivalist. Because, honey, ain't no one's going to be protecting your butt. Anyway, <sighs> that said, you can tell I'm back. You can tell she's back. <laughs> she's back. Yeah, it hasn't been an easy ride back, but Annie's back. Anyway, those that uh, listen to our show know that we start off each and every show 
with the dedication to a fallen hero. And I just want to make one little comment before I go into the dedication. Um, if anyone out there is a big fan of the Texas blues rock and roll band ZZ Top, well, at the age of 72, Dusty Hill, who was the great group's um, Dallas-born bassist, had passed away in his sleep just the other night. Uh, he had gone home for a procedure on his hip, and they expected a speedy recovery. And unfortunately, God called him uh, to his arms. So ZZ Top, you know of uh, the song from the 1980s, Cheap Sunglasses and Sharp Dressed Man and Le- Legs and other s- singles such as Give Me All Your Love and some really, really great music out there. Well, we will always remember him for his contribution to music. And uh, we wish the members of ZZ Top our greatest condolences and prayers as they come around through this tragic loss. That said, uh, today's dedication is going to go out to police officer second degree, Jose Luis Anzora. Uh, He was struck and killed by a vehicle on February, well, actually not killed. He was struck by a vehicle on February 26th of 2021. Um, He then passed away several days later on March 3rd. He was with the Los Angeles Police Department in California. And today's dedication is coming from the police tribune.com, written by Holly Matkin. And it reads Los Angeles Police Department, LAPD, Officer Jose Anzora died in the line of duty on Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021, after having hit by a vehicle several days earlier. The 31-year-old officer was outside his vehicle directing traffic near the intersection of Trinity Street and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard at approximately 7.30 p.m. on February 26th when he was struck by a motorist, the Los Angeles Daily News reported. The driver who crashed into the veteran officer remained at the scene and is cooperating with investigators. Officer Anzora was rushed to the hospital, where he remained until succumbing to his injuries on March 3rd. Quote, Our hearts are heavy once again as we mourn the loss of police officer second degree Jose Anzora, who passed away earlier following a heroic battle for his life after being injured while on duty. LAPD Chief Michael Moore said in a press release. Our deepest condolences go out to Officer Anzor's family, his wife and colleagues and friends in this most difficult time, he added. His passing is a loss not only for his brothers and sisters in the LAPD, but for all the people of Los Angeles for whom he gave his life, he finished. Officer Anzor joined the LAPD in 2011, was most recently assigned to the Newton area. Quote, on behalf of the Board of Police Officers, Commissioners, I want to express our condolences to the family, fellow officers, and civilians with whom Officer Anzor served and the entire LAPD family. Unquote. The Board of Police Commissioners President Eileen Decker said, according to a press release, this is such a tragedy and words connect cannot express the loss to all, she added. 
We thank him for his service to our city of angels, and may he rest in peace. Officer Anzora leaves behind his wife, mother, and his family. Chief Moore wrote, Officer Anzora, thank you for your service. May God welcome you home, and may God bless the Los Angeles Police Departments. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of Los Angeles Police Department, Jose and Zora, both blood and blue. Thank you for your service. Chief Michael Moore wrote, Our hearts are heavy once again as we mourn the loss of police officer second degree, Jose Anzora, serial number 40848 who passed away early today following a heroic battle for his life after being injured while on duty. Our deepest condolences go out to Officer Anzora's wife, family, colleagues, and friends in this most difficult time. His passing is a loss for not only his brothers and sisters in the LAPD, but the people of Los Angeles for whom he gave his life. Officer Anzora began protecting and serving the people of Los Angeles in 2011, most recently in the Newton area, where he spent the majority of his career. In memory of Officer Anzora, Chief Moore has authorized the wearing of mourning bands, which we have sadly already been wearing in honor of LASD Deputy Thomas Albanese. Officer Anzora, thank you for your service. And may God welcome you home. And these were condolences left on the Officer Down Memorial page. The first reads, The true measure of a person is not found in the might of their arm, in their wealth or their power, is found in the strength of their character. There is no greater testimony to one's character than one's willingness to sacrifice all in the noble quest of providing protection to all whom they serve. The author is unknown. It was submitted by Javier Cornero, police officer retired from the city of Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And this poem is titled The Badge That Was Left on the Website. He starts his shift each day to respond to calls unknown. He drives a marked patrol car, a police officer he is known. He's paid by the citizens' taxes to make it safe on the streets, but he usually has a second job because a waitress has his salary beat. Now, he doesn't know a holiday because he works all year-round, and when Thanksgiving and Christmas finally arrive, at his home he cannot be found. He's cursed and assaulted often, the one whose blood runs blue, he seldom ever gets thanks to some. He's just a fool. His friends are always other cops because people don't understand that underneath his badge and gun, he's just another man. He knows there might not be a tomorrow in this world of drugs and crime, and he gets so mad at the court system because the crooks don't get any time. And each day when he leaves for work, he prays to God above, please bring me home after my shift so I can see the ones I love. But tonight, he stops a speeding car. He's alone down this old highway. It's just a little traffic, traffic infraction. He does it every day. 
Well, he walks up to the driver's window, and his badge is shining bright. He asks the guy for a driver's license when a shot rang through the night. Yes, the bullet hit its mark, striking the officer in the chest. But the department's budget doesn't buy each officer a bulletproof vest. So he lay on the ground bleeding. His blood wasn't blue. His blood was red. And he briefly thought of his loved ones, because in a moment, the officer was dead. In the news, they told the story of how this officer had died. And some who listened cared less, but those who loved him cried. Well, they buried him in uniform with his badge pinned to his chest. He even had his revolver. He died doing his best. It was written by David L. Bell, a retired Richland County Sheriff's Deputy Department of Columbia, South Carolina. Deputy Bell, thank you. To Officer Enzora, stand down, Officer. Job well done. We'll take it from here. And we dedicate to him and to all first responders this song by Todd Allen Harrington. And we dedicate it also to all the military that have served in this nation from its birth to today and into its future. Thank you for protecting and serving. May God bless. Todd Allen Harrington, my name is America.
You're here listening to Southern Sun live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, The Lone Stars, Daily News, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Global Entertainment Network, iHeartRadio. How oh, the heck was it? You know where we are. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, Southern hyphen com, and of course i'm your hostess with the least mostest today because i'm messing up left and right anyway along with my co-host courageous curtis c.s bennett <laughs> curtis we got oh forget it i, I i'm lost i mean I, i'm completely I lost see. today anyway well, you can tell I'm back in full form. if i'm messing up <laughs> if I'm messing up, we're back. Anyway, want to welcome back onto the show two really dear friends. Uh, they are uh, Hollywood producers. Zorn is uh, 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 oh, good lord! Let me. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So let me introduce Daphne Barak and her partner in crime. I mean, life, <laughs> Bill Ganusti. Good afternoon, Daphne and Bill. <laughs> I'll let you introduce yourselves. Good I don't know what Annie I'm doing here today. <laughs> good afternoon, Annie, and um, good afternoon, Curtis. And Bill and I hey. are so happy to have you back, Annie, because I, I just want to say a few words um, that, uh, that to the audience that you lost your other half. I know what is the other half because Bill and I are that way. Uh, Yanni, uh, I had the, the pleasure and honor to, to talk to him. And uh, I know you're going through a difficult time and loss. Dealing with grief is a big thing, sadly, because of COVID. Many of us have to do that, and I think you'll be an inspiring voice. Well, I have to admit, it, it took a lot to come on today because it's actually exactly one month ago today at 9.17 p.m. he passed. And I, I had oh, to God. fight with uh, I had a fight with LifeLock this morning. That was the first thing I had. I got up, my phone was ringing, and it was a LifeLock alert. And it's the second time in this past month someone tried to access his credit. And I'm like, no, well, when did he die? And I just, I just, I lost it. <laughs> I just oh. jumped ugly on that poor girl. But, you know, oh, um, Folks, if you do have a life partner out there, do yourself a favor. Make sure you get something like LifeLock, TitleLock, uh, so that way you're alerted because people really do read the obituaries, and they look for suckers out there. And I'm sure there's oh a God. lot of other people that are in a situation similar to mine and are completely unaware because they're so busy dealing with their grief. They don't think of someone trying to... Um, Identity, do identity theft and use that person's credit and identity to uh, a steal. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a lot. I'm learning as I go along. But uh, 
I've actually decided, Daphne, uh, I pulled up my notes for the book because you asked me once before if I ever thought about writing a book. And I started this a number of years ago. And I didn't tell you all the conversations you and I have had. But, yeah, I did start to write it. And the title of the book is going to be In Life There Must Be Love and Laughter. Or Why Is There a Hard Boiled Egg in the Middle of My Living Room Floor? (laughs) And, you know, laughter is so important in such time. And we all have been through a testing time, right? So, uh, And that's what we tried also to do in our book, in our latest book, you know, uh, struggling for an America, it's a very serious uh, issue, right, uh, that we are divided into two Americas. But which uh, Bill, of course, is a serious one. I try to inject some laughter and gossip. Uh, for example, you see a rapper, Money B, who, who couldn't even believe he would speak to Trump when I introduced him. He was so anti. So I took him to the White House, to the Christmas party, and you see in the book, Struggling for an America, fun photos of money being like the Trojan horse uh, posing happily with top Trump world, Mark Meadow, the chief of staff, you know, the uh, governor uh, of Texas, Abbott, uh, Mark Shaw, the chief of staff of Pence, all happy and then Instagramming live from the White House. I'm Money B, and believe it or not, I'm in Trump's VIP Christmas party. And like everybody, <laughs> like, are you kidding us? So that means, yes, we can. Even in the worst time, we can pull ourselves up and think that, A, we are all Americans and, and find just the goodness in our heart uh, to, to remain the biggest superpower. Otherwise, we will not. And it's not, it wouldn't be only China's fault. It will be each one of us's fault. Exactly. Exactly. And okay, I was going to hold up in front of the camera. Sorry about. Yeah. Well, I'm holding up in front of the camera the list of 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 things I have on your book, and I know I'm not going to even get halfway through that. But go ahead, Bill. Oh no, I was just going to say that I took Money B to a Harry's bar on that night before the press White House in a mega rally. He was scared of coming into the hotel from the airport, uh, asking police officers, where is the address, how can can he go over the barriers, things like that. He was so scared, Money B. I took him to a Maga rally, and after a couple of years, everybody was at home with one another, knowing that he's from uh, Auckland. Auckland. And uh, what's his father's name? Uh, and his father was a Black Panther. So. Black Panther, and everybody knew that but they all became united. In other words, America is not divided in a sense, but we are struggling to remain together. That's the problem. That's the book is about. And I want to tell you, exactly. Annie and Curtis, before you ask anything on your mind, both of you, I want to just say, first of all, Struggling for an America, this book is not like the usual political books. You know, so they usually don't like to put photos because the publisher don't want to spend more money. Uh, the publisher this time wanted to tell the story right, and uh, there are like 20 pages of very glassy photos, which not posing, but like me and Melania gossiping in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, we don't even know that the photo was taken. Of course, it's, it's my deal who took it. Uh, me and Donald having fun in the, in the golf club after another round of golf. Uh, you know, all kind of like Ted Nugent, his wife, Shaman, Bill, and I, are looking at all the dead animals that they killed together. No one so, posing. So no one posing. Now, I just want you to notice one thing, that on, besides the 24 actors and musicians in the book Struggling for an America, 
uh, which was based um, behind the scene of the film uh, Trump versus Hollywood, which was received amazingly. Um, there are four people who contributed uh, recommendations for the book. One is Congressman Dahl. I saw he's talking about can- uh, ca- uh, cancel culture. Uh, your colleague, uh, Rita Cosby, has, who is like you, an amazing human being. Um, Roseanne Barr, our friend and actress. And uh, the fourth one, that's why I'm telling you, his name is Jay Balvin. He's the number one Latino uh, musician today. He has 48 million followers on Instagram. And uh, he's one of the 100 um, best people of Time magazine for 2020. Now, he hates Donald Trump. He has been exchanging text messages and telephone calls with me like, I hate him. I don't want to do anything with him. He's a guy who famously canceled his performance uh, on Miss Universe right after Donald Trump took this escalator with Melania and announced he was running for president because he was uh, he took what he said about the Mexicans very personally and felt offended. However, what if you look at the book right now, Struggling to an America, I'm Annie and Cody, look at the back. Jay Balvin says that Bill and I are wonderful people and I'm very grateful. That, uh, I'm blushing, but he says, I want to tell everybody that this book, this project is very important because America has to unite. So that means that even somebody like him who has a personal thing against Donald Trump realized later on that we cannot stay to America, we cannot stay divided. We have to start talking to each other and agree to disagree, but remember that we have mutual things above all. Well, that is one of the things that comes through your book, page after page after page. And you let the people talk in their own voice. You don't edit anything. And so if you have someone like Ted Nugent, who's extremely raw, or uh, someone like uh, Lorenzo Lamas, who is a complete gentleman, you, know, you let their personalities and their words speak for themselves. All you do is you pose simple, very simple questions, sit back and let them go. And that's true because I think if you and I, Annie, you're going to write a book, and Curtis, I'm sure you will agree with me, as a filmmaker and, and a, a huge interviewer, I've done the biggest ratings in America. We just signed a, a mega deal with ABC. Uh, I always felt if I have to run uh, next to the one-hour specials or films and say, this is what I meant to say, then, Houston, we have a problem. Then I didn't do my job properly. And also, I am the next generation after Barbara Walters that I really admired because she paved the way for many of us. But I, it was never about, I'm Daphne Barak and I'm interviewing you. No, people don't want to see me. People don't want to read about me. People want to read and, and watch their heroes, their people they agree or disagree, they love or they hate passionately. And I'm just the, the vehicle. I'm not more. And if you forget that, I think you actually hurt your audience and hurt yourself. And I'm sure I see that's what you're doing with your own radio show. Oh, thank you so much. And I kind of like got a kick out of it when I'm reading the, the story about you and Bill in Tokyo. And I, again, Bill, you know you have my condolences for the loss of your mom uh, during that time. Uh, but you and Bill had gone to Tokyo to uh, have dinner with these businessmen, and uh, they bought the the famous um, what was it uh, Carnival uh, Lines cruise ship that was 
made infamous because of the coronavirus, and they named it, ironically, the Corona Princess. And you guys were getting ready to leave, and someone comes running up with the newspaper, and there the two of you are splashed across the front page of the Tokyo News. And it's like, what? <laughs> you, 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 you do not go for the spotlight. So I was reading your reaction, and I'm laughing because I'm just picturing your face as they're talking to you, telling you that you're now the main news in Tokyo. Well, uh, that tells a lot. You know, we are Americans. That's why uh, America is still precious for lots of people around the world. And we have to remember that in what we bring to the table. You know, we bring certain values. They didn't, uh, you know, they don't, these people don't know me or Daphne, but they, we don't know them. And we met them. They took us as who we are. Uh, we came there as a two uh, active, politically active people, civic, doing their civic duty in this uh, very toxic environment of 2016. So they are looking at us. Here to Americans, they should go enjoy their life and do all the things that the life offers to them, you know, because they are, they are okay. They can afford a couple of things. But why they put themselves into such uh, such such hot uh, environment? Well, that's what we told them. We are Americans. We do the dirty work, and we do it for the good of everybody. That's what we learned as new American citizens. So that's what the appreciation, in a sense, was. Annie, I want to tell you how funny it was. Uh, we decided to go uh, invited by the head of the party, actually the de facto leader of Japan. And um, we were not locked down yet when we accepted. And then the next day when we jumped on the, on the plane, we found out because of Bill's mother who was in the hospital that by now, boom, Gavin Newsom decided to lock, to lock the, the state. So we went on Japan Airline. And we saw we are only three people in the first class. We assumed the economy was, was full. We landed. We Apparently, Tokyo Airport was empty. There was already lockdown in, here. And we found out we were only five people on the flight, which was quite a scary idea if we knew to begin with. Uh, but there, you know, uh, there was no lockdown. Um, today, it's very bad because of the, as you know, in the Olympics. And we were received like, you know, the biggest VIP ever. And... Um, and then, boom, we, we understand what's happening uh, in back home. And while they're hosting us in fantastic sashimi, they're closing, like, a restaurant only for us, only six places for sashimi. And they kick us out after two hours, although it was reserved by the prime minister. You understand? We are in La La Land forgetting what's happening in, in America. I called one of my friends who was a, a member of the cabinet, the top member of cabinet after Trump. He said, go home, we are locking, uh, come home, we are locking the country, right? So after, of course, being entertained by the head of the mafia, the leaders, uh, of course, the main sensation, you, you nailed it, was Corona Princess. That was a princess cruise that was stopped. If you remember, the, the COVID started to, to come from there. And then when the passengers were allowed to leave, nobody wanted this, this, uh, to, to, to touch the ship. So the Japanese are good in money. They said, well, let them park and pay daily and nightly very costly fee. And then it became um, a touristic sensation. That was the best thing they wanted to show us. 
So when the <laughs> cabinet of Trump tell me and Bill come home, otherwise you cannot come home. Uh, first of all, I call the five star hotel. We were in the presidential suite, and I start complaining the last day that uh, oh my God, I don't find toilet paper. So. And we come back with suitcases full of 12 toilet papers, right? All the way from Japan, <laughs> right? We knew what was happening. Home. And then at this point, we understand we are the only flight coming back to California. We couldn't even come back to LA. We had to come back to San Diego. And then we do know that we are only three people on the flight, right? I mean, as that's it. Not a good feeling. And we land in San Diego. And the airport is dark. Annie and Curtis, you've never seen something like that. It's not like you see, uh, like last week in New York, you know, there was a storm. You see canceled, canceled all the electronic boards. We were stuck in the airport. Nothing. Dark, no electronic boards. We are the only flight landing, three people, Bill and I and some passenger, another passenger. And we're walking in the dark, and Bill is taking photos of me. And it looks like the last days of Pompeo. I, like, I said, what will happen next? And I'm asking Bill suddenly, well, how would we find our luggage? I mean, no electronic board, nothing. <laughs> how would we know which carousel? So we take the escalator, and Annie and Curtis, like in the movies, we have suddenly two suitcases waiting for us. And I said, God, this is only in the movies. And from San Diego to our place in Beverly Hills, you know, all with all due respect to California governor, which we are re-electing right now, the traffic can be two hours and a half, and it can be five hours. You know, the traffic is so bad in California. Yep. This time it was Bill and I, maybe other three lunatics on the road. It was the third or fourth day of lockdown, and we got home in like one hour and 40 minutes. I said, wow, there are advantages in, in, the, <laughs> in the madness, right? Man, I, I've driven between San Diego and L.A., and trust me, you know, having driven through Manhattan at the peak rush hour, I would prefer that over traffic on the L.A. highway. <laughs> Try to even get Absolutely. on or off. <laughs> and I, mean, and I, was, I was driving a Camaro, and even bright red Camaro I had rented, but whatever made me do that. But I think that was the only reason why I was able to dart in and out, <laughs> Because they said, well, she's got a Camaro. She, she knows what she's doing. Just get out of her way. <laughs> still, and still, you, we, we haven't even mentioned, we, we just came back from Beverly Hills. We haven't even mentioned the, the city, the tent city, and the, so many homeless uh, people, which are oh, just, yeah. uh, uh, I, I just carry them. I just said to Bill, what if we something happens to our car? Let's not drive through here. Uh, it's very, um, so talking about struggling for one America, the book, uh, Trump versus all your two White Houses, uh, Bill and I are, are, and I would like to book a couple of them to your show. You know, the biggest race right now is to re-electing uh, um, the governor of California. Hopefully we can uh, recall the governor Newsom. It looks quite promising. Uh, all uh, big candidates, Caitlyn Jenner, um, John Cox, Kevin O'Connor came for Hold on. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, came to our home. Uh, you know, John is a great guy. Um, uh, he has a very, um, very painful story to tell about how he was born into a rape, doesn't know his father. Caitlin, of course, is very colorful, and we both Hollywood. Uh, she's in Australia right now. I don't know why she's there. She has to run here, but that's another question. Uh, we became very good friends of 
Kevin Falconer, and uh, he's really a great guy. He was a mayor of San Diego. However, um, two nights ago, and it was about like, okay, uh, you know, the chairwoman of the party, and we are all the state senator saying, okay, it looks like Kevin, um, and then boom, the dark horse came, and Larry Elder asked to see us. I hosted him, and he's, by the way, beautiful a life partner, um, Nina Perry, uh, a Polish girl, and my father was Polish, so I immediately bonded. Um, a, a dinner at, our, at in Beverly Hills. We included Senator John Morlock, a close friend, and his wife. And um, Bill was, at the beginning, they, you know, uh, a bit reluctant, and then they just hit it off. And I would actually want to book him on your show, the guy is very different. He just came. He, he did Sean Hannity text message me. I'm on my way. And um, he's what I like about him, first of all, he's leading 10 points. And I think if we want to get California back and if we want to uh, make sure that it, remain, it remains the fifth economy in the world, and it's good for all America to have California and Hollywood, we need to get behind the candidate who can really beat Gavin Newsom and end this farce. And uh, he's only a few days. I, I gave him a compliment about something he did. And he said, that it wasn't even my brilliant idea. They told me what to do. I'm a politician six, seven days. I don't know anything. He called us yesterday. He's text messaging. And I think um, we may have a chance with him because he's very likable. Uh, he's coming from a very uh, underprivileged, uh, uh, yeah, very underprivileged uh, background, very intelligent. And and um, and hardworking like yourself, uh, Annie, like we, uh, and I'm sure you, Curtis. And there's something that I know. If I put you on the phone with him on the radio, you'll just feel like uh, you and him know each other for like who knows how many years. And it is this X factor in in Hollywood and in politics that that make. Some people shine, and some people are equally good, but they just don't make it. That's the difference between the uh, the Hollywood stars like my friend Stallone or, or my friend Buccelli who makes millions of dollars, and, and equally good actors who don't have it. The difference between politicians, just politician, and and somebody and somebody who can become a leader. And just wanted to say that because. He was, of course, posing with our new book, Struggling for One America, and was very flattering to me and Bill that, uh, unlike me, which I'm very proud of Hollywood and I'm very liked, and uh, thank God, I'm very grateful for it, uh, all my films, books have been always getting coverage on both sides of the aisle. On one end, Fox and radio shows like yourself. On the other hand, Hollywood Reporter, Yahoo, LA Times, CBS, um, CNN, so I think we want to reach to everybody. And he was complaining about the cancel culture. He said that uh, he finished a very good documentary, and the documentary sold, made money. And he raised money, made money. Um, he couldn't get it on the Oscar list. Unlike me, he couldn't get it on any Hollywood reporter, Yahoo. Um, he was very frustrated. And, and um, something that struggling for one America is, is calling. Let's talk. Let's not cancel each other. Let's not discriminate. Exactly. And matter of fact, one of the people you interviewed in the book uh, was another Hollywood producer. Um, good Lord, I'm going to mispronounce Abby Lerner. Uh, Abby, Abby Lerner, right? 
and that was one of the things. Now, here he is, a very strong liberal, but when you listen to him complaining about blacklisting, cancel culture, and all these other things, unions, China, uh, you, you thought you were talking to a conservative. So I keep on telling people whenever they're saying, well, no, I'm, I'm a progressive liberal. We have nothing to talk about. And I says, no, why don't you just sit down? And I'm telling you, sooner or later, we're going to have find something that we agree upon. And I have a very lovely neighbor across the street. She is politically opposite of me. But I said, we have more in common if we simply talk. And now she's a very dear friend because we as Americans do have common ground. We just have to find that common ground and hold on to it and build upon it, which is everything your book talks about. And, oh, by the way, my co-host asking him who appears on page 232, paragraph 3. (laughs) (laughs) see i read it i read it covered and i want to say the dylan right what page was this 230 230 number three that's the only he's going i didn't even know but I have an idea, Annie. For some of our radio hosts, so we are giving two signed books by Bill and I that you, you and Curtis decide which one of your listeners are, are, um, should, get are, should get it. So why wouldn't we do it even more interesting? We're going to mail you today a couple of signed books to two of your listeners. You, you know what, who deserves it. Uh, but why won't you add a third signature on that page? 232. Paragraph 3. Paragraph 3. So it will be three signatures. Me, me, and you. I mean, what is this, right? I'm a gift that keeps on giving. Now, I wanted to tell you something about Avi Lerner. Avi, Avi is a, one of the biggest uh, producers in Hollywood. He and my friend Stallone are, are, in, are responsible for the mega success of the Expendables. You remember Bruce Willis and the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone, of course, and it shows that you know you have to, you can be a muscle man and a hero not only when you are 20. He had a very good message. He's Avi, Avi, like me, is an American who was born in Israel. He's very close friend with Bill as well. And John Voigt and I and Bill were laughing because when I hosted a birthday for Bill uh, with John Voigt and Rosanne Barr, Avi was calling and he was he was very worried if Trump has a chance and everything. And John is looking like, you know, Hollywood is a small world. We all know each other. And John said, is he voting for Trump right now? Because Avi was one of the biggest supporters of Barack Obama. I mean, and in the Hillary Clinton era in 2008, uh, I was a Democrat. I hosted Hillary at home. She even sang happy birthday to Bill. Bill was always a conservative. Uh, but he had to, to stomach it because of me, right? But in the two, but later on, 2016, we definitely didn't agree. I, Bill and I were delegates for Trump. We brought him to California. We brought billionaires like Adelson to support him. Uh, we convinced Alison to support him. But Avi Lerner and Time Saban, who, who just sold Univision, right, the billionaire, decided to support Hillary, and they hosted, uh, hosted a dinner at, at their homes. And I said, I'm not coming. He said, well, you know, you don't have to give money. I said, I'm not giving your money this time. No, no, just come. I said, I'm not coming, period. And we really disagreed. So Avi went 180 
uh, degrees uh, to support Trump, he just said something very smart. He said, look, I'm not going to vote for Biden because I'm not for communism or socialism. I uh, have studios in Bulgaria. He's in Bulgaria, Bulgaria right now as we speak. I'm building a studio in Dominican Republic. He has another studio overseas. He's a very, very successful producer. Just finished a movie with Megan Fox. And uh, he said, I, I, I will just film there. I'm a VIP uh, citizen there. Why do I need to do business here when I have to deal with the unions and this? I'm not into socialism. I did 450 movies. I like to do movies. I don't want to do negotiation with unions. And he's right. What do you I don't think? blame him. I, 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 right? I completely agree with him. You know, you've got to, um, you've got to vote for who would be the best for the country. You know, it, it, there were times that I have crossed over when I found that the Republican was just not that good. They were actually progressives in, in sheep's clothing. And I'd look at the Democrat and I says, well, who is more aligned to my moral values and what is good for this nation? And there are going to be times that you can find that a Democrat is more conservative than you would find a Republican. I mean, these are just labels. You have to look at the individual, which is exactly what your, your book points out. Look at the individuals and see what their voices say. Look at what the person is really made of, the moral character, not the color of the skin. And Money B came on the show here also, and this is exactly what he and I discussed. You have to look beyond that. Treat me like a fellow human being. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not gender, not religion, not not color of the skin. First of all, we are all children of God. And... And then narrow down. We are all American, whether we were born American or like Bill and I, we chose to be American uh, because we all share values like freedom of speech and, and uh, other values. Which, uh, and we never, I, one thing I want to tell you, Annie and uh, Curtis and your listeners, uh, Bill and I were very fortunate to travel all around the world. I've interviewed some of the most dangerous dictators, famously like Muammar Gaddafi of Libya, um, Mugabe of Zimbabwe, uh, Musharraf of Pakistan, um, Imran Khan, Castro of Cuba, Imran Khan, the, the current prime minister of Pakistan, is a close friend of mine. Benazir Bhutto was assassinated in, in uh, Pakistan, uh, was very close to Bill and I. She lived under our wing uh, in Upper East New York, which only few knew. And we don't we don't appreciate one thing. We take very for granted the freedom of speech, First Amendment, the, uh, the rights for women, right? Uh, well, the countries, as some, look what's happening in Saudi Arabia, and I have, of course, some of the leaders who are my friends, uh, but the rights for women is, of course, uh, uh, not even uh, uh, remotely close to what's supposed to be. Uh, look at what's happening in Pakistan. We, I have a horrific uh, email sometimes because they admire me because of Benazir, of women who, has to, who have to cope with Sharia, right? Um, so we don't take our, our, our freedom uh, uh, seriously enough, the freedom of speech, the First Amendment, or the Second Amendment, and I, and I, whether you want to use it or you don't want to use it, it's, it's a great debate. Uh, um, you know, uh, women rights, uh, equality for, for, for genders and equality for, for uh, people from different colors. 
and we don't have it perfect with every season. Women still have, we have to empower women, but we are fighting about it. We are talking about it. You know, it's not under the rug. So we are struggling, less struggling for one America. Exactly, exactly like that's why we, we call the book that way. And um, we shouldn't take that for granted because there are so many people who would have loved to be born in America and, and just enjoy uh, what our society, our values, offer. Uh, so let's not smash what we have uh, because, trust me, each, any one of us who doesn't understand how privileged we are, let's send him for one week in Pakistan or Afghanistan, let him or her come back, and then we'll talk. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing. We as Americans were born into these freedoms, these unalienable rights given to us by God. We accept, accept them without realizing that within our heartbeat, they can be stolen from us. And the lockdowns from this pandemic is a perfect example. And what followed with the cancel culture just repeats it. And these are things that you, you discuss in the in the book, you know, how some of these people have been canceled out, and yet they still manage to thrive and survive. And Lorenzo Lamas is a perfect example that was able to reinvent himself. He said, well, Hollywood doesn't want me. He was a pilot. He says, all right, I'm going to go wherever they need me as a pilot. And then he moves to Florida, opens up a studio down there, and he's back at work. You look at um, uh, Kevin Sarbo and his wife, Sam. Hey, you don't want me? I don't care if you tell me I can't have that role. I had two fantastic TV series. So what? The heck with you? He turns around, he moves, and he and Sam are working nonstop on independent work. And you hear this over and over and over again. And, oh, you'll be happy to know, uh, this week I am doing a tape with uh, Kevin Sarbo. So uh, he will be on – we'll be playing his tape uh, on next show Friday. Uh, So finally – I explained to him what was going on because uh, another friend of mine, Colin Heaton, who is a, a, a historian, college professor, and a very prolific author, he actually is the speech writer uh, for uh, Admiral Livingston, and um, he, he made the introduction. Even though Sam has been on the show, I finally, Kevin turned around, and he sent me condolences for losing Yanni, but uh, yeah, so I'm finally going to get Kevin on. So thank you for that. I think you put a little bee in his ear. <laughs> I definitely did because you remember we had Sam on the show with us with Saman Newton. I also want to get you, uh, I'll work on it for Robert Davi and, and Dean Kay and Christy Swanson. We'll get that in the next two weeks for you uh, about the book and about everything else you want to talk because they're, they're good voices. And Scott Vio, which I'll probably see in the weekend, is uh, saying in the Chachi. movie Trump versus Hollywood. Yeah. And yeah, and and the, yeah, exactly. And in the book, Struggling for One America, he says, look, I want to talk to the other side. We want to talk to them, please. Uh, but they don't want to talk with us. And in a way, what we found, Annie and, Car- and Curtis, it was very interesting that right now, when, and we became friends of these um, African-American rappers who are extremely talented and like you and I. Uh, so they, they have their own problems. So Too Short, Eric B., Money B., uh, Basketball uh, Big Baby, DeRay Davis, the comedian. Um, and uh, just wanted to say that when I, when Bill and I decided to, yes, let's talk, and we took the plane to D.C. to see Donald uh, at the White House after he, just right after he went back from the hospital, 
after COVID and Jared Kushner was uh, working with me and Bill on the same page to really made this bridge to make this dialogue happen. Um, I basically convinced uh, four of the um, rappers to basically, uh, yeah, talk to Donald Trump. He may be elected, he may be not, but he represents 50% of the country. You don't do peace with friends, you do peace with quote-unquote enemies. And it all made perfect sense to them. We did uh, connect them um, to Jared, the number two, Jerome Smith in the White House. They all talk. We all put it together. Donald trusts me, and we decided to do this conversation um, on November 1st, tonight, before the election of November 3rd. And I must say that Donald, uh, it was after four rallies, he was very exhausted. I would be exhausted after one. He called um, <clears throat> as the White House connected everybody, and he listened very patiently while I moderated the conversation. It was a difficult conversation. And then uh, I found out he was so patient just Daphne, whatever you need and everything. And uh, it wasn't about me. We are friends. It was about accommodating uh, the other side. And uh, basically, uh, then I learned from Jared, uh, the Daph, I, I found a text, the Daph, how long is it going to be? We have been sitting half an hour on the Terramac, right? But what we learned afterwards that there were supposed to be five people on the, call, on the call. And they have a lot of pressure on their own community not to talk to the other side. I didn't know that. So, for example, Too Short, who is a very big uh, rapper, and we are good friends. Uh, he was all into to do this dialogue with Donald Trump, with the other side. He even says it in the film. He says it in the book, Struggling for an America. Partner, his manager, was with me on the phone with the White House, agreeing. And then just before this conversation happened, Too Short, Bill, and I had lunch in Beverly Hills in our place. And he said, look, let's leave this Donald conversation right now. I don't need that. Look what happened to Ice Cube. He said he was just talking to Jared Kushner and everybody killing him. And they don't, yes, I understand you have to, to, to work with the President of the United States. That's the executive branch if you want some results. But let's, let's leave it after the election. I don't want to piss off my audience. So they have a very big fear to reach out to the other side, even if logically they understand they should. Manny B., which is really wonderful, he is a man of his word. Uh, and he enjoyed the privilege of going to the White Houses with me and meet. And he was, as Kevin and Sam Sorbo, when you talk to them, he was in my VIP group in the White House and bonded with Kevin and Sam, although they, they oppose each other. Manny B told me that after it was all over the press, um, when the White House made a press release that this conversation between me, Donald, and, and the four of them happened, his stepmother called him from Auckland and said, really? How could you? And he said, what did I do? I talked to the President of the United States. Who wouldn't want to do that, right? But they are being, uh, they, they, like, terrorized. they are being terrorized uh, not to talk to the other side. So I'm asking you, Annie, if both, both sides don't talk to each other, don't touch each other, don't have a dinner together, the wives don't maybe compare fashion tips together, how on earth would we connect? That's that's the whole point. And this is where we have to follow the example that God has taught us. That we lead by example, by always being open and willing to have that conversation. Sooner or later, we'll wear them down. I mean, they can turn their back on us, but sooner or later, they're going to go, wait a minute, I need a little attention here. And hey, I'm still here. I'm still willing to listen. 
And I've done that to many people. And in the end, I find that in the end, you will win. You will end up having that conversation that should be had. And I think that's something that in your book, you're, you're willing to listen to both sides and you're willing to work to unite them. And that is such a beautiful God-given gift you have, you and Bill. God bless both of you. And I, I just say, I want, I want to, to add that usually we always said that Americans uh, unite together during a crisis, right? Like Bill and I used to be New Yorkers during 9-11. God, I mean, you could see just people helping each other, right? And now during COVID, I would expect, I was expecting it would be the same. And in, instead, we are more divided than, than ever. But, uh, Annie, Curtis, uh, the, the division in America didn't come uh, out of blue with Donald Trump in 2016. Remember, before 2016, what we were talking about, there was this thing in Hollywood mainly, political correctness. Now, nobody talks about political correctness today, uh, but they replaced it with cancel culture. Uh, so point is, what did political correctness do to us? It stopped us talking. We stopped saying certain things, explaining things to one another with political correctness prior to 2016. Now, I have a theory. Since 1992, globalists came to the picture. Globalists are outside forces who doesn't want uh, America to become great, superpower. They want to bring us down. And they did it. Since 1992, they made us elect Clinton, Bush 43, and Obama. And they made us not talk to one another with political correctness coming into the forefront. And now we are talking about cultural cancel culture today. What's the cancel culture? You cannot talk what we didn't tell you not to talk about all alone since 1992 in an increasing fashion. So the point is, let's not be so, you know, let's open our eyes. America has to wake up and realize that something happened to us in the past two, three decades uh, by outside forces who wanted to bring us down. And that's we have to focus on it, go back to our own ways, you know, traditions or what made us great, who we were in the 1950s, 70s, and go back and strive back, you know. What they've also done is usurped our language. Now people get triggered by looking at the American flag or, heck, you wear a religious symbol, they're triggered. You use a certain word, a completely innocent word. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't use the correct pronoun. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not a mind reader. I mean, if you've got a name tag on, I'll use your name instead of using a pronoun because I'm no longer assuming what the pronoun is, what what the heck is, you know, I thought God made man, God made woman. I didn't know there was 72 different flavors in the, in the, in the mix here now. So there's so much me, myself, and I demand that we forget that we were taught to treat each other as we ourselves would like to be treated. And once we, we think about it, put ourselves in someone else's shoes and think about how they would like to be treated, and that's the same way I want to be treated, and then I think we'll get along a lot better. Forget, forget about usurping our language or just being triggered by the sight of the – I'm sorry. If you don't like looking at it, turn your back, walk away. 
If you don't like me talking about my faith, say, all right, thank you very much. Have a nice day. Walk away. You don't like what's on TV? Turn the channel. Oh, I'm sorry. You click the remote now. You don't turn a channel anymore. But you understand what I'm saying? You have an avenue to exit that and exit it peacefully and then still come back for a conversation later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's completely. What we, what we were hoping, uh, we didn't come with this book because you remember we just finished our last book and just when the film Trump vs. Hollywood made so many fantastic reviews on both sides of the island, I must say, um, a couple of publishers approached us and said we would like to do a book. Um, and the only reason we decided to, to work so hard uh, and put this book, and that's why we also welcome the photos, we really wanted a feel-good book. I mean, coming out of uh, COVID, which of course it's not out, we have this uh, uh, Delta variant, and, and I just spoke with Israel this morning, they are doing a third uh, vaccination to people over 60. I mean, we have really, we have so much to learn about it and be careful. But um, coming out of the, the peak of the COVID and, uh, and uh, coming out of this uh, George Floyd and the looting and the, and the emotions, I think, um, first of all, we have to have a willingness to, co- to come out of it, to overcome. Uh, that, that is the first one, the willingness to talk, the willingness to, to listen. You know, there's a big, I always say, Dialogue is not two monologues of two people screaming at each other. Dialogue is people listening to each other. And the ability to listen, and you have this ability, you and, of course, Curtis, who is speaking much less as Bill and I, we we even love to talk more. (laughs) But uh, Curtis, I feel your pain. But uh, but, uh, as a a radio host, you're listening, right? Otherwise, what are we doing here? Um, so without names, I'm looking at some of couple of television shows, uh, and there they rarely have um, uh, interviewees. They just monologues are talking to themselves, and I'm thinking, okay, as a television executive producer, I know it's much cheaper that way. You don't need to book uh, guests and fly them and do all this stuff. But on the other hand, so okay, so it's not a talk show. It's like a, a vanity show. So I think it's basically <laughs> yeah. really right. I mean, so I really yeah. think the exchange yeah, of opinions is very, very important. And you mentioned Manny B. I actually uh, put him, and would love to actually put somebody else like that with you. I put him once a week with one of your colleagues who is, is right-wing conservative, and once a week they debate. Why not? Yeah. And I'm going I, to find, I'm going to make, make you to somebody like that. Well, I enjoy speaking with Money B. But uh, Daphne and Bill, uh, we've run out of time. I want to remind everyone, the name of the book is Struggling for One America, um, Trump versus Hollywood, The Two White Houses. Uh, your website, so they can watch the movie, which I have up on the show page, as well as a link to your books. So they can click on both of them, uh, Fighting with the number four, OneAmerica.com, Fighting number four, OneAmerica.com, exactly. uh, where they can watch Trump versus Hollywood. It's an excellent movie. I enjoyed it immensely. And you just let people just talk, which is what I love to do, which is why you don't find me doing monologues very often. <laughs> I hate no. to thunder my own voice. No. But uh, and Daphne the book, and Bill... The book is- 
the book is on Amazon, uh, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, both on the shop and online. I think you would like to to not to do the I mean whatever you want, but I think you would prefer the hard copy because they're beautiful photos and you would it would make as I hear from everybody a a nice coffee table um gift and as I said, we're going to mail you this weekend two signed books for your listeners and you will uh, you will add your own and there will be I'm sure two very well deserved listeners to get it. Thank you so much. Right. God bless. And I'll be speaking with you very, very soon because I know you sent something else that I should be receiving next week. And uh, I'm <laughs> very happy yeah. to show my mom the book and she was thrilled. And uh, my sister, who's right now uh, taking care of her, uh, I showed it to her. And her one comment was, oh, that's nice. But she didn't mention the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's an attorney for you. That's an attorney for you. Right. Looking that's, at the that's why, we, that's, why, that's why Bill is negotiating his ninth book. <laughs> <laughs> and Curtis is on his right. 27th or 28th. Anyway, definitely, uh, Bill, thank you so much. Uh, number okay, 28. So we oh, yeah. A long, a long way to go. All right. All right. <laughs> Very good to talk to you, Curtis, even if minimal. Love you, Annie, and we talk soon. All right. Okay. Take, take care. care. Uh, Check out their book, Struggling for One America, Trump versus Hollywood, The Two White Houses. Go to their website, fightingforoneamerica.com. And we've got our next victim, I mean, guest up in on the show here, a Florida State Representative Webster Barnaby, representing District 27 and up for re-election. Good afternoon, Mr. Barnaby. How are you doing today? Well, good afternoon. I'm honored to be on your show today, and um, it's great to be with you and your audience today. Oh, it is our pleasure, our pleasure. Uh, now, Curtis just sent me a link to your website, so I'm going to be doing a lot of winging it here. Matter of fact, I've got to tell you, the last two guests, I had a whole entire handwritten page of notes, and I asked only one question out of that entire page. <laughs> so, oh, uh, man. This is a crazy, crazy world we're living in. And um, looking at your website, you are an advocate for better public schools. And the one question I have is, um, what is your uh, stance on school choice? Well, Especially after big, this pandemic lockdown. Well, I've, I've always been a big advocate of school choice. Um, I grew up in, in Great Britain where I was born and raised, and I went to an all-boys school went to a technical college, um, and obviously I'm a naturalized American. I came to the United States in 1987, and my kids were born here in Florida, and um, my kids were in the public school, in the, in the charter school for a while, and while they were at that charter school, <clears throat> um, I served on the board of the charter school, and then I took them and uh, placed them in a private Christian school, where where they both uh, graduated high school, uh, both um, attended the uh, the dual enrollment uh, college program, and both went on to successful careers. Uh, my daughter um, graduated the University of Florida School of Architecture, and my son graduated the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis in class of 2015, and so he, he's a, a lieutenant in the Navy, Naval Intelligence, and my daughter is uh, an architectural drafter for a big private construction firm. But I was also the uh, PTA president for Trinity Christian Academy for three years, 
And, you know, as, as a black American, I've always advocated that it's important to bring uh, minorities and people out of poverty by giving them the choice of attending a school where there is discipline and there is order and there is dedication to learning um, and academic learning and classical learning. And, and that's what the type of education that um, I was able to afford with great sacrifice, well, it was worth well, worth it to put my, my two children through. That's a huge amen to that one, because uh, we've got a classical uh, a school here with my church, which is uh, the clinic, Trinity Classic. Uh, uh, oh, good Lord, I'm going to mess it up. But anyway, they started off with just going through uh, kindergarten through uh, third grade, and now they've expanded it all the way up through 12th grade, and last year they had their first graduating class going on into college. All the graduates going further on to, that's 100% went further on into college, which is amazing. And what what private schooling can do at a fraction of the money that public schools are. And uh, one of the reasons why I tell people, politics is all local. It starts off local. What happens in your school board, your local council, your state representatives and Senate, and these are the things that affect our everyday lives, and we've got to pay attention. And that's why someone with a voice like yours is so important to be putting out there. And I thank you for that. And um, we're coming, we thought we were coming out of pandemic, and now we're being told we're being tossed back in. Um, But how do you work on improving the economy under these circumstances when we're facing a possible another lockdown? Well, um, it's a great question. You know, I serve on the uh, Commerce Committee for the State of Florida. I also serve on the Insurance and the Banking Committee for the State of Florida, as well as Healthcare Appropriations, uh, in charge of all the hospitals and medical facilities in our, in our state, as well as uh, serving on Criminal Justice, Public Safety, and Veterans Affairs, and Government Administration. I, I have my hands full um, as a legislator. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, uh, last year, Florida was the, was the 17th largest economy in the world. And this year, the figures just came out. Florida is now the, the 15th largest economy in the entire world. And that wow. didn't happen. Yeah, wow is correct. That didn't happen by osmosis. It happened because there were lawmakers that were principled and disciplined enough even though we had COVID going on, we still balanced a budget of $2.1 billion and returned a surplus. That's right. I said a surplus to the state of Florida of $9.875 billion with a B. And you say, well, Representative Barnaby, had that happen? Well, to be frank with you, um, as, all, as I mentioned, all the different committees that I serve on, when my uh, Democratic colleagues would, would want to have us spend money on programs and uh, social engineering experiments, uh, we just simply um, explained to them that we could not afford to do these social engineering experiments because it would bankrupt our states, and we have a mandate to balance the budget we have to be fiscally disciplined, and that's exactly what we, we were and what I did uh, serving on these important committees. 
And in, in, in the State House, when the, when the vote was made, we made the, the correct votes uh, that we would balance our budget, that we would provide the necessary services in spite of the, the pandemic, in spite of the, the biological warfare that's been unleashed on the United States by the Chinese Communist Party. And, and yes, that's exactly what I'm calling it. It's a biological warfare that's been unleashed on the United States by the Chinese Communist Party. And um, if you've never heard it, uh, this might be uh, breaking news. That's exactly what's happening all across the globe because the, the, the Chinese Communist Party's intent is to, is to dominate and have complete control over the world's economy. And by any means necessary um, was a term that was used by Malcolm X. And, of course, he was a classical, as it were, Marxist. And the Marxist ideology is, is by any means necessary to have their, 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 their goals and their ideals be fulfilled. And, and that's what's being unleashed upon us. And, uh, you know, lawmakers have to be completely transparent and honest with the public so that we know that we are at war. And when we know that we are at war, we will take the necessary steps to defend ourselves and to protect our families and our loved ones and our livelihoods. So our constitutional rights are, are being eroded right before our very eyes. Our First Amendment right to free speech and to practice our religion and to practice uh, health private way is being eroded. Uh, people don't no longer speak about HIPAA laws, at the privacy of protecting the health care. Everything is oh, being completely overshadowed. So I, I said a lot right there in a comprehensive way to answer your question, but I had a lot of my chance to get off. <laughs> no, 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 you know, no, because <laughs> you mentioned... You mentioned the HIPAA laws, and my, my co-host knows uh, I am not one to shy down from a fight. And when this all broke out, I made myself a little pamphlet because I, I'm one of those weird ones. I actually went to the doctor and said, this, I got a problem. I'm getting all these respiratory infections. I'm thinking I'm getting COVID. So he ran a battery test. I'm one of those freaks of nature that cannot wear a mask. I will get physically ill. It's not psychosomatic. I really got sick. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to have a problem. So I pulled up the HIPAA law. I found the sections in it. I pulled up the Americans with Disability Act because I am physically disabled. I put that in there. And I said, all right, if anyone challenges me and denies me service or entrance, I'm just going to wave this pamphlet. And it worked to the point where I actually got kicked out of the hospital as I was taking my husband in for a test for his surgery. And within 24 hours, the chief surgeon was on the phone apologizing up one side and down the other. They retrained the staff. They re-instructed them on the proper etiquette in which to handle an individual like me and to not deny me access. So when you say HIPAA, and I hear people turn around, well, we're going to deny you service if you don't prove that you've been vaccinated. Number one, you just broke the HIPAA Act, and I can have you arrested under the law, fined for up to a quarter million dollars, and put you in jail for 10 years. Your choice. Well, Sal, what I'm hearing is that there was some kind of waiver to the HIPAA um, Act because of COVID, the, the special conditions, they call it. And I've heard that over and over by people in the medical field here in Florida. It's like, oh, yeah, never, you, you never do have HIPAA, law. but 
because because of the epidemic. Go ahead, Webster. It's never been codified in law, uh, Curtis. And, I didn't um, think so. It was never codified in law. It would come before my committee before before we would vote on it. It certainly has not come before my committee. And I'm saying this to your audience. Um, we're Americans. We have constitutional rights. We, If you don't know your rights, people will trample on you. And, I, again, sure I commend you for... Um, you know, pushing back, and, and um, that's what we have to do. Uh, I'm doing my part in the State House of Florida. We have a great governor. I'm working very closely with Governor DeSantis to make sure that the public is aware that in Florida it is, it is totally unnecessary to have private employee employers as well as government employers demanding that uh, employees in the, in the public sector and the private sector uh, fall under these edicts that's been that's been issued uh by these various uh lawmakers that have no jurisdiction whatsoever over your private health care i mean the same people who who wants who wants us to allow them to have aborted children are the same people that will tell us my body my health care but all of a sudden it's no longer your body or your health care I mean, it's, it's major hypocrisy on, on a scale I've never seen before. But it's because there is, as I said, a biological warfare that's been unleashed on the entire globe and primarily against the United States and the United States economy. And we must do everything we can to stand up for our, first of all, our state rights as Floridians. We have a Tenth Amendment state rights as a sovereign state in this United States of America, and we have our state constitution, it has to be defended, and I will defend it. I took an oath to do that, and I will defend the constitution of the United States also. And that's where our lawmakers in Washington must be bold, must be brave, and stand up to tyranny right now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And Curtis, tell us what you just put in the chat room, because that is so true. Yeah, I was saying, I was just thinking it would be a great public service. The leadership in the Republican Party would place public service as stating that HIPAA laws and individual rights are still valid in today's COVID environment. You know, and, and I mean, I, I don't see them being proactive in any of this. It's almost like they, they're silent at the you know national level. I don't understand. Well, you know, they don't fight back. I have to agree with you, uh, Curtis. Um, I, I, um, it's, it is, uh, I'm flabbergasted. I'm lost for words as to why the leadership doesn't stand up. I'm a freshman legislator. I'm not trying to, um, as it were, you know, um, go outside of the chain of command, so to speak. I understand order, but um, thank God for this forum because on, on, on this forum, on this platform, I am uh, telling your listeners that they have to understand that they still have individual rights. Uh, individual rights has not been suspended, and it never will be suspended as long as I am a lawmaker in the state of Florida. It will not be suspended. You know, what, what I'm, I, I'm freaking out over is this mandatory vaccinations. You either have the passport 
or you get tested. All right, fine. You want to test me? Fine. But I'm not going to tell you what the test results are. Have I been tested? Yes. Am I still walking around? Obviously. Uh, but even telling, asking me what my test results are, you're not my health care provider. You have no right, right to that information, period. And yep. then trying to shame you and then shame you into a vaccine. Now, yeah, I sat down with my doctor. I'm yeah. Sorry. I, 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 go ahead. All the virtue signaling. Everyone wants to be so righteous. It's a self-righteousness that it's absolutely abhorrent. Uh, they're, they're better than you because they have on uh, ribbons and, and pins and, and, and bracelets. And all of a sudden, uh, they are more more virtuous than you. Well, excuse me, you're not. And you're not going to have me answer whether I took the vaccine or not, or whether I have been inoculated. It's none of your business. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll make you crack up because I've gone so far. I have a favorite radio station I listen to in my car when I don't have the XM on. And they went a couple of months back, kept on running these commercials. Come in and tell us you've been vaccinated. We'll give you a 10% discount. And I'm going, you're asking for my medical information in order for me to come to your business and get a discount. The very fact that I went to your business, you should offer me the discount. So I wrote to the radio station, gave them a copy of the HIPAA Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act. And it says, you're leaving yourself wide open for lawsuits. And the first place I walk into that does not say, welcome, we're offering all our customers a 10% discount. And... If they ask me if I was vaccinated in order to get that discount, I'm slamming them in a lawsuit. And you'll be the ones that are at fault. And next thing I know, the ad is pulled. Yeah. Yeah. That's pushback. That's called pushback. That's called and pushback. And that's what we we'll need take... to do. Yep. Yeah. And, and we've got to do it early and often because, as I said, we are at war. And you cannot take your guard down when you're at war. You know, no, and the, you mentioned uh, – I'm sorry. I was going to say you mentioned China, but don't you find it very odd that this Delta variant breaks out at the same time we have a huge surge of illegal immigrants coming across the border and being shipped all over the United States, especially to red states, with po- testing positive for the virus, just as we economically and socially begin to get back on our feet. I think the breakout of this was timed. I'm not, I, am I talking conspiracy or are you look, seeing the same thing I'm seeing? I'm seeing exactly the same thing. It is, um, it is a, a multi-pronged offense, offensive that's being launched against us. It's not just one sector of our, of our nation, but it's, it's multi-pronged in, in as much that. It's on our southern border. It's on every front that they that they can uh, unleash this um, panic and fear to change our society. Don't forget, it was the puppet master himself, Barry Sotero, aka President Barack Hussein Obama, who said he wanted to fundamentally change the United States. I I want to hazard a bet that he is clearly one of the puppet masters behind this entire orchestrating this entire event that's, that's been unleashed upon us. I just don't have the the, uh, the TikTok to prove it, but 
it, it, it has not passed the smell test for me. No, it doesn't pass the smell test in the least bit. And gee whiz, you know, just when we start to not buy all the gloves, masks, and hat and sanitizers, which are made in China, uh, suddenly we yep. need a new surge of having to purchase them again. It, 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 it just seemed as if this was timed. As soon as we start to catch a breath, give them a couple of weeks, let them feel really comfortable, and then slam them again. I mean, four yep. days ago, I walked into the store and no one was wearing a mask. Two days ago, I go in and half the people wearing masks and the other half are talking about the Delta virus, the Delta variant. Yep. Uh, the timing is just, just coincidental. And I'm going to bring into the conversation a friend of yours and ours, your fellow state representative, Mike Hill. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you doing today? Or as I call you Good now, afternoon. Cousin Mike. Or <laughs> Good afternoon, Annie. CS, how are you guys? Hey, Brother Mike, good afternoon. How are you, Rick? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, we got you and Webster Barnaby with us at the same time, so you're tag teaming. (laughs) Oh, good. Hey, hey, Representative Uh, Barnaby, how are you? I'm doing well, Brother Mike. Uh, The war is on, Brother Mike, and we're pushing back. Oh, yeah. That's the truth. Yeah, because now they're trying to use this new COVID, the Delta variant, uh, to make excuses for brand new lockdowns. And, oh, lo and behold, states like Florida and Texas and here in the great state of South Carolina or and Georgia, of course, the border, have been pushing for uh, tightening the loopholes in our voter laws and bringing us back to pre-COVID requirements of, oh, what is that I hear? Oh, ID. And now I'm hearing that the Department of Justice, and this is for you first, Mike, and then Webster, uh, Department of Justice is threatening to sue any state that rolls back to pre-COVID requirements and tightens all the loopholes. Mike, what do you tell the Department of Justice? And keep it without four-letter words. (laughs) That's going to be hard. First of all, I would say um, when the federal government sues, they have unlimited resources in terms of lawyers and things they can pay for in a lawsuit. However, I would, if I were governor or if I were in a state like Florida, I would say bring the lawsuit on. You bring it on. We are a free people, and we are not going to be dictated by the federal government. The sovereign states have the right and the ability to determine their own course. As long as we fall under the purview of the supreme law of the land, which is our constitution. But the Department of Justice trying to sue us, to make us conform to what they want to do, that is nothing but tyranny. It sounds like communism. And I would say you bring the lawsuit on, we will challenge you face on. Go ahead, Webster. I could not agree with you more, Mike. Um, in fact, um, just to reiterate what I said earlier in the show, uh, we still have constitutional rights. We have a Tenth Amendment right as a sovereign state. And um, right now we're seeing tyranny, as I said. Uh, Merrick Garland, the current attorney general for the United States, the same guy who years ago tried to serve on the Supreme Court, and thank God he was, he was not allowed to serve on the Supreme Court. But this is a man who is now challenging the governor for the state of Texas 
simply because the governor for the state of Texas decided that with all the illegals coming in over the Texas border with coronavirus, that he, the, the governor, must protect his citizens in his state. That's a sworn duty that he has as the governor. And I would submit that the governor for the great state of Florida has no lesser duty than to protect the citizens of the great state of Florida in the same way. And that is to resist the tyranny from the Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Biden administration because they are unleashing hell on this nation and we have to push back against them. And when I think of half the stuff that I'm seeing coming out of uh, Washington, D.C., and now putting the nation in another panic over this pandemic, and uh, Mike, I was asking Webster, and he's agreeing with me, that this resurgence is just timed too well to be a coincidence. You know, just as we start to get our economy back to uh, up and running, people are coming back to work. People are are meeting in groups again and hugging and kissing each other and shaking hands. And society's starting to come back to normal. We're taking a sigh of relief. Also, now we're pounded by this resurgence of the the new Delta variant. And oh, uh, this gets even better because they're quoting all these numbers saying how easily it's transmitted, but they haven't told us what the percentage is compared to the first round of the pandemic and how many people are dying from the new variant. You're not hearing death numbers. Where we used to have a death count, suddenly there's no death count, just the, the number of infections. This is all just too much of a coincidence, isn't it, Mike? Oh, I agree, Annie, completely. You know, last year when they were shutting down our economy, um, I believed it was because they were trying to hurt President Trump at the time. The economy was roaring. It was just, and they knew with the economy continuing like that, Trump was going to win in a landslide. By the way, I believe he did anyway. Um, Now, I'm trying to figure out why on earth would they continue to try and hurt our economy? And it goes back to the Marxist ideology of first you have to destroy the society and then build it back better. Haven't we heard that term, build Mm. back better? First they destroy it, and then they try to build it back better. But what it means is socialist um, or communist control, that they will dictate to us what our economy is supposed to look like. So I believe we are seeing that right now before our very eyes, where they are trying to destroy this economy so they can build it back better. Well, one of the first things they did was close down religious institutions and educational institutions. So you take away faith and you destroy the way of education. So now we have whole generations of kids that have lost more than a year of their life, which puts them back several years because what they already learned, they're starting to forget. They're losing their social skills because they're no longer interacting with fellow adults that can teach them and lead them. So, yeah, they are destroying our society, but they're chipping away in manners in which no one's really paying attention to except people like you and Webster. Uh, Am I, again, Mike, am I a conspiracy theorist or am I looking at this the right way? 
No, you're looking at it through with clear eyes, Annie. Um, we are seeing them attacking our education system, and I believe the answer to that is every parent who is capable, pull your children out of these government schools. You can do homeschool. You can do charter schools. You can do Internet schools. You need to get your children out of these government-run schools because they have become nothing but indoctrination centers, and we're seeing this big push with this nonsensical critical race theory upon our children. Um, thank goodness uh, Governor DeSantis uh, said we're not having that, and uh, Department of Education Secretary Richard Corcoran said we're not having that in Florida, and I hope your governor is doing the same thing in South Carolina, Annie, but we need to get rid of that very destructive critical race theory, which again goes back to the basic Marxist ideology of divide, pit um, classes against each other so that then the society will collapse, will be destroyed, and then they can build it back better. Um, we have to resist this with everything that we have. And the timing of this, uh, as you were saying at the beginning when I came on, Annie, it's not coincidental. Um, it, it, people think that Joe Biden is this bumbling, uh, mumbling old fool, and he is. But even beyond that, the people around him know exactly what they are doing. And they're not getting their orders just from the administration. I'm talking all those who were uh, a big part of the Obama administration. A huge percentage of the Biden administration uh, were around during the eight years of Obama. And they're not just getting their orders from those people, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, um, and the rest of them. They are getting it from the globalists, those over in Europe, um, George Soros and others. That's where they are getting their orders from. This is very calculated what they are doing. But I believe they have underestimated the spirit of the American people. Annie, this is Absolutely. not the first time that, that we have gone through some very terrible times in these United States. But we've, we've been through terrible times before. It, it, you can start with the Revolutionary War. There's a Civil War. World War I and II, the 60s, even the 70s with Jimmy Carter. We have been through some very terrible times. But what has always happened is God's spirit, which he has placed on this nation and within the hearts of his followers and believers, will rise up and we get rid of the tyranny that is before us, we overcome the tyranny, and we continue to progress. That's going to happen again this time. How quickly, I don't know. Um, the Great Depression, it took a decade for us to fight the lunacy of what the government was doing that kept the, the Great Depression from going on so long. Um, so hopefully it won't take that long this time. But the spirit of America, and you can see it and feel it almost everywhere you go, is rising up and will defeat this tyranny also. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, uh, Representative Hill. When you said that, I, I couldn't help but think about the scripture that says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. 
Yeah. And this this is where I I'm, I implore all all believers to continue to pray, pray without ceasing, because I believe that the Lord Himself will lift up that standard against uh, this enemy, uh, because America has been a lighthouse, a beacon of hope to the world, in spite of people burning our flags, in spite of people spitting on America, and in spite of America's sins. We are not perfect, but God has still loved America just as he loved Israel with all of her sins. Israel is the apple of God's eye, and God has used the United States to continue to, to bless the nation of Israel and to bless the world. Oh, man. Yeah, you guys are going to get me crying in a split second. One thing I think, Mike and Webster, is that no matter how much our enemies attack us, they always underestimate the true spirit of the true American. It doesn't matter what color or, or or ethnicity, or whether we're male or female, there is an underlying spirit that is just innate. And just even calling yourself an American, that they underestimate us. When they put us down in the pandemic, well, what did we do? Our economy did not come to a dead standstill. We went home and found a way to work out of our homes. And many people created new businesses born of that need. You know, we found ways to help each other and help each other pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They're underestimating the strength of what America truly is. And I think that's going to be their unraveling. And Webster, am I just overestimating the American spirit? No, you know, Mike nailed it. And, you know, if you study the story of Alexander de Tocqueville, the French historian, de Tocqueville said when he came to the United States and tried to look for America's greatness, he went to the boardrooms and he went to Wall Street and he went to all these these uh, captains of industry to find America's greatness. It wasn't there. It wasn't until he went to the churches and saw the flame of fire in the pulpits of America's churches that he says that's where America's spirit, indomitable spirit, comes from. And, and, and to be frank with you, when, when you study the, the history of the Black Robe Regiment, the pastors, the great uh, orators of old, uh, all of our great founding fathers, uh, these were men of, 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 of renown, but they were men of faith. They, 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 they were men that were not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were men that understood that the worlds were formed by the Almighty himself. But it wasn't the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds that built these United States. God allowed them, used them, but it was the Spirit of God that gave them the wisdom to design the great architecture of the United States and the great institutions that we have. But nothing happens in those institutions, whether it was our colleges and our universities. The vast majority of them were once churches. There were schoolrooms that were bathed in prayer. And I believe with all my heart that we have to have a renaissance, a revival of getting people back to God. And once we do that, you will see a change like never before because it's still Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then we will hear from heaven. And God himself said he will heal the land. The land needs healing right now. And it's not going to be done with the arm of flesh. I mean, I want to get in there and drag uh, Joseph Rabino, uh, what's his name? Joseph Rabino Biden out of there by the nap of his neck. But that ain't going to <laughs> You know, no, there's, that's... There's, something, there's something called the permissive will of God. Sometimes God allows these people to be there so that we can humble ourselves. So I'm appealing to those that are faith believers, let's humble ourselves and pray. Let's humble ourselves and, and ask God himself to step in like a mighty flood, to lift up that standard against this coronavirus, to lift, lift up the standard against these men that would dare to pervert the oath of office that they have taken. Man. Mike, I think we're seeing that already when even within the Catholic Church, they've turned around and said, the Catholic bishops, well, if you're supporting abortion, then you're not a devout Catholic. So I think that that argument that they is starting to happen on the public forum, and we, the people, are starting to watch, listen, and pay attention. Absolutely. I mean, that debate, the Catholic Church standing up and saying that if you support abortion, then um, you're not true to the faith. Um, they should have said that way back in 1972, but I'm grateful that they are starting to say it now. And what uh, Representative Barnaby was saying is exactly right. You know, we, we, uh, when, when God uttered his voice and said, children, go where I send thee and build me a nation where my people can worship me freely in spirit and in truth, that was the beginning, and people came to these shores. And then as we started building this great nation, it was so that this purpose, we can fulfill our destiny of preaching the gospel to a lost world. That's why I am so confident that the United States of America is going to get through this crisis, and it is in a crisis situation right now. We are going to get through this so that we can fulfill that destiny. So what I would tell your listeners, Annie, is don't be afraid. Fear not. The Lord thy God is on your side. He delights in being merciful. And because he has a remnant here within this land, his mercy is being extended to this great land so they can fulfill its destiny of preaching the gospel. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> oh, there, there, there's so much to talk about, you know, and, and we're looking at the attacks upon our nation. So it's not just the attacks on us uh, locking us back down again. It's not just the attack on the churches, um, but it's now also the attacks on um, the way in which we look at ourselves with Black Lives Matter. Uh, with the influence of China, as you mentioned, Webster, through Black Lives Matter, uh, the usurping of our language, words that used to be innocuous and easygoing suddenly take on horrific meanings and people are triggered and they need this space zone, uh, space, space zone or whatever they call the damn thing, and their teddy bear. Uh, we have been raising a nation of wimps, and I think with this outbreak of the virus – 
people realize that and they're going, hold on a second. That's not who we are. We need to be self-sufficient once again. So how do we, Mike, I'll ask you this first. How do we get government out of our lives and make us once again self-sufficient and no longer hiding under the blanket looking for your sippy cup because someone used a verb the wrong way that you don't agree with? Well, first of all, Annie, we do not comply. We do not do what they tell us to do. I am so encouraged to see parents all across this nation attending the school board meetings and are demanding that you stop teaching critical race theory, that you stop with the mask putting on our children. People are rising up. People are not complying. I will admit, I was shocked last year of when just because of fear, fear coming from many different angles that so many Americans complied and wore masks and stayed at home. I, and I was just surprised. And there was government coercion. Um, I know here in Pensacola, Florida, several friends who own restaurants and um, could not open them without getting a fine from the health department, a substantial fine, $3,000, and then um, shut oh. down. Uh, so um, so it, it wasn't completely where everyone wanted to comply. The government was complicit in that. But now they are trying their strong arm tactics again, saying that you must comply or else. You must get this COVID vaccine passport or you can't travel or you can't go to this certain uh, restaurant. You can't go into this certain store. We must not comply. I'm going to admit over the air right now, Annie, that since this all started, I have not worn a mask. Let me take that back. When I fly, I have to wear a mask. They, they won't let you fly without it. So when I fly, I have a mask on. Other than that, this entire time, I have not. I have not caught COVID, praise God. I've been exposed to it several times, both in the Florida legislature, before anyone knew what it was, and also um, here in Pensacola, close friends who have uh, had it, been diagnosed with it. And I was around them, and I've never gotten it. So to make it short, Annie, so what should we do? Number one, do not comply. Do not start putting those masks on again. Do not take the vaccine. Do not um, uh, submit when they tell you that you can't go to a certain place, you can't worship. Do it anyway. And when enough Americans do that, their whole scenario will collapse. I, I would like to add to that, you know, throughout this whole COVID scandemic, they always emphasize external things like social distancing wearing a mask, washing your hands, and things like that. But they never tell you um, things that will help you internally, like like taking supplements and um, eating health more healthy, you know, keeping your immune system up. That's the message they should be putting out there, I believe, more so than all these external things that, that doesn't really help. I mean, you go some places and they say, wear the mask. Well, you say, Oh, well, there's nobody around me. What happened to social distancing? Um, I don't know, but you still got to wear the mask. Well, I thought it was either or. You know, it's, it's, it's 
so convoluted, you know, what they're putting out there. And it's not based on science, if you want to ask me. Absolutely. No, and well, I got I to gotta crack up because one of the things that was happening to me, because I can't wear the mask, as I said, and if I'm forced to, I have a clear face shield. But people would actually, you're standing in a grocery line, instead of safe, safe distancing, someone would be standing directly behind me, breathing down my neck as I'm unloading my shopping cart. And so you look at them like, really? You know, and I would, every single time I went out somewhere to go shopping, it happened every single time. Well, just because you're wearing a face mask doesn't mean that I'm still safe from whatever you're giving me. So you're, you're telling me to follow all these rules, and you yourself won't even follow them. The hypocrisy that you see coming from government and from the morons that think they're following the the bullcrap is just driving me crazy. But we got guys like you in the Florida state legislator fighting for the rights of your people in your state. You're going against critical race theory. You're going against these mask mandates. You're going to fight if they try to make you change your election laws. I know that. So I got to thank both of you, Mike and Webster, for the hard work the two of you are doing. We need more people like you out there in every single state legislature. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I, I was only a ha- one of a handful of legislators who did not wear a mask during the legislative session. And I had people looking at me, wanted to point fingers at me. I couldn't care less. Like I said, <clears throat> I know the law. I know my, my rights. And I refuse to have anyone try to bully me. Or to uh, virtue signal shamingly because they've got two masks on and I don't have not one. And um, my wife is the head of Quest Laboratories. My wife's a biologist. We uh, have been doing exactly what Brother Curtis suggests. We've boosted our immune system through natural homeopathic means, and we've kept using common sense. Common sense is not common anymore. And if it's just common sense, wash your hands. I mean, wash your hands, um, practice proper hygiene, uh, take all the various vitamins to boost your immune system. Every morning, every night, my wife and I, we do this. And we're as healthy as you know what. And we just thank the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. But common sense, you've got to use common sense. Uh, as I said, we are at war. It's just never, it's never been announced, but the nation is at war. The United States of America is at war with the Communist People's Party of China, and they're working on every front. They're working on our borders. They're working through our airports. They're working through our government, through every facet they can work, okay, to bring world dominance with the roads that they're building in Africa and the Caribbean. The Chinese, they're trying to do what the Romans did. They want complete domination. When are we going to wake up? That's a good question. When are we going to wake up? Well, that is a good question. Unfortunately, Annie, we've got people that would rather be woke than being waking up. Being woke is not the answer. Being waking up is the answer. 
Okay, uh, we're gonna wake up, America. America's gotta wake up because uh, we're America's at war. And if we ever lose our freedoms, Thomas Jefferson said the only way you get it back is with blood. That's right, Thomas yeah. Jefferson said that. The only way you get it back, ladies and gentlemen, that's listening today, is with blood. I don't want it to come down to that. My mother told me the pen is mightier than the sword. So get out there, ladies and gentlemen, write your representatives, write your members of Congress, send them an email, send them a letter, send them a note, tell them that you're an American and you don't want your constitutional rights infringed or being taken away. Write your congressmen today. Write your legislators today. You can find them through uh, Google, through Siri. Uh, you can find uh, who they are and write them. I want people to write me. You can find me at uh, myfloridahouse.gov, webster.barnaby at myfloridahouse.gov. I I want to be, I'm here to serve the people. I'm not here for people to serve me. I want to wash somebody's foot today. All right? We need servant leaders. And, well, before we let you guys go, I want to ask you, because now they're doing redistricting. They did the census. They had the huge fight over the census. So now we're finally getting down to doing redistricting. Webster, first of all, what are they doing to your district? What is it they propose to change? And is that a good thing or a bad thing? So um, the chairman for the redistricting for the entire state is one of my colleagues, uh, Representative Tom Leak, who's actually in the Volusia Flagler delegation. And I happen to be the vice chairman of the Volusia Flagler delegation, where Tom Leak is also the chairman of redistricting. Uh, But because it's such a sensitive issue, he is currently sworn to secrecy and cannot declare at the current moment where the lines are, but I'm told that we will know uh, right around the first week of September, we will get to know exactly where the lines are. And I'm not worried because... Weeks away. uh, Yeah, it's just weeks away. Correct. And Mike, have you had a hint about anything that's going on? I have not, uh, Annie. Uh, as uh, Representative Barnaby said, that they have to keep that close hold for obvious reasons. Um, otherwise, uh, it will be attacked uh, immersively, and it's going to be anyway. The League of Women yeah. Voters is going to challenge what's being done simply because the prevailing party, the Republican Party, are the ones who are in charge of drawing the lines. So they're going to challenge it, uh, no matter what what it looks like, uh, as they did previously. Uh, However, this time, thank goodness, we have a conservative Florida Supreme Court who will not um, force the Florida legislature to redraw the line to look like what the left and the League of Women Voters want it to look like. I believe they're going to stand firm and instead uh, let the legislature, which is the only authority to redraw the lines, do their job. And from what I saw last time after the census and the drawing of the districts, that it was done fairly, it was done appropriately. Uh, It was just that the the left thought that they were going to uh, get the lines drawn into a position 
to help elect Hillary Clinton in Florida, and it didn't work. They tried their best, and it didn't work. And so I think this time it is going to be uh, drawn fairly. It's going to be done um, uh, correctly. And should it be challenged, which I believe it will, we have a Florida Supreme Court which is going to protect uh, the work that has been done. Um, that being said, as Representative Barnaby said, it is so important for citizens to get involved in the process. Um, don't just get involved just around Election Day. Uh, get involved before that. Write your legislators. Um, write your governor. Tell them they, you have a right to do that. They work for you. They serve you. Don't let them turn it around to think that they're doing you a favor by answering the phone or answering your email or your letters. That's what they are supposed to do. Get involved. Find a candidate. Find a representative you can support or, or a senator, such as uh, Representative Barnaby. Help them with their campaign. It takes work and effort to get done, but if we want to keep this America free, that is what it's going to take. Better that than, as Senator, uh, I'm sorry, Representative Barnaby said, better that than bloodshed. Let me also uh -oh, say, I think he, uh, I, I, Abby, can I just say real uh, quickly, I wanted to publicly sure. thank uh, Representative Mike Hill because Representative Mike Hill um, believes that the work that I, I'm doing in the 27th District is serving the entire state of Florida to the degree that Representative Hill has made a significant, what I consider a major contribution to my campaign. And anyone that wants to join Representative Hill can do so by simply going to votebarnaby.com. Votebarnaby, vote, B-A-R-N-A-B-Y, votebarnaby.com. That's my website. And you can support my my campaign efforts there. If you if you're if you are able to do something significantly more than the than the, what's allowed by the state, then I have a pack. It's called Preserving Freedom Pack. I believe that uh, my pack, Preserving Freedom Pack, is uh, is something that uh, the Lord gave me because our freedoms are under attack. We've got to fight to preserve the freedom that our founding fathers gave us. If we don't fight to preserve those freedoms, then we will lose this great republic that we pledge allegiance to. And I say not under my watch. We will remain a republic, the United States of America, government of, for, and by the people. The people cannot abrogate their responsibility. We cannot sit back in our hemispheres doing nothing. We've got to put our hands to the plow. Scripture says if any man puts his hand to the plow and turns back, he's not fit for the kingdom. We have got work to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're Americans, all right? We're Americans. We don't have a king. We don't have a queen. We have a representative republic. Let's make sure it works. Barnaby, I got one question for you. Growing up, what, what were your thoughts about America? What were, I mean, what was the community's um, attitude towards Americans? I, I know with the politicians and stuff, but I'm talking about the common man. What do they think of Americans other than that the colonies across the pond? You know, uh, 27 years of my life I spent in Europe. Uh, most of you that are on this 
uh, listening uh, may not be aware that I was born and raised in Great Britain. My parents are from the Caribbean island of Jamaica. And so they were part of the, the what's called the Commonwealth. The British Empire uh, spread its tentacles all over the world, and there was uh, some good and some bad. But by and large, the people that I grew up around saw America as uh, a wealthy, quote-unquote, arrogant country with a lot of arrogant folks that thought they were it. And that's what I heard. Americans, they think they're it. They're, they're, they're big stuff. Uh, but then I met an American girl. I dated her for four years, long distance, and decided that we were going to get married and live in the United States. And I applied to the State Department for citizenship and waited 11 years to become a citizen. But I read the Constitution while I waited uh, until I was naturalized and sworn in as a citizen back on March the 5th, 1998. That's the, the day when I became an American citizen. And obviously, um, a lot has happened since then because I became a city commissioner for the big city of Deltona back in 2012, served as a city commissioner. And last year, I was elected as a state representative. So um, I'm living the American dream, as it were. Uh, big story to tell. But, um, you know, by, by and large, Curtis, uh, to answer your question, uh, a lot of people saw America as the land of plenty, the land of, quote, unquote, milk and honey, and the people who lived in America as the most fortunate people on the face of the planet. And there was jealousy. A lot of people wanted to come to America to be like the Americans, you know, the people who uh, could dream to own a business, could dream to own property and land, whereas around the world and other places, it's much more difficult to become business owners, to become entrepreneurs. So um, we, we must be very, very... Um, aware of how blessed we are as Americans and that if we don't defend and preserve the freedoms we have, uh, then we will lose them. And if we ever lose them, as I said, Thomas Jefferson said the only way you get them back is with blood. I do not want it to come down to that. So that's why we have to agitate, we have to write, we have to forcefully uh, um, commit. Uh, I love the program that Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida. He's insisting on civic education. Uh, high school children must have a proficiency in American uh, civics, understanding how government works. Uh, we've lost that in America, but it needs to be revived. And um, for me, uh, I keep telling my story over and over again why I love the United States, why I am proud to have assimilated. And if I could do it, anyone else can do it. So, um, you know, it's not something just for Webster Barnaby, but it's something I believe for every single American to fall in love with this country over again. Wow. What do you say after that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. But I, I love the fact that governors like DeSantis like Abbott and here in South Carolina have signed into law legislation that made sure that at some point in time, 
at the high school level or even on higher education, the founding documents are taught. I mean, how many people you walk down the street will ask them, name me one of the of the five rights in the First Amendment. And people will probably say, and can't get past that. And that's all they can think of. No. You should be able to name all five. Uh, if you ask them, um, who's the Attorney General? Uh, I have no idea. Who's your, your, your Senator? I don't know. It, it, the, the ignorance of the American population to our government and who is to represent us and what the founding documents are is absolutely stunning. Somewhere along the way, public education tossed it out the window and field teaching critical race theory or the 72 different flavors of gender there are out there to five-year-olds is more important than telling them what we were founded upon, the principles of freedom, of religion, of speech, of assembly, to redress our government, you know, of protest. And you, you can't teach that. Instead, you teach all this other BS, and that's more important than what founded America. But we just lost Mike Hill. I just saw he just dropped out, and I was waiting for our next guest to call. It looks like he's, he's a little behind somewhere. Um, so I will let you know, Webster, there is a link to your website, votebarnaby.com, on the show page. So when people turn around and listen in the archives, they can click on it and go straight to you, as well as to Mike Hill, because I have his, which is votemikehill.com. Very simple. And then people can follow you and uh, and help you with your upcoming campaign to get you reelected. Now, Mike made a slip there, and I wanted to know, he started to call you Senator. I think you just made a prediction. <laughs> he, I, I think he made a prediction there. <laughs> so you had uh, it's, brevity is, is a beautiful thing. It's good to have brevity, isn't it? <laughs> and levity. Well, I, I'm, I'm I like gonna, that one. I'm going to tell you right now. I I believe um, that God has called me to to where I'm at and. I'll go wherever he leads me. Um, I, I believe I am a servant of the people, and I'm here to serve, and I'm here to be the best state uh, legislator in the history of the great state of Florida. And if that leads me to something down the road, so be it. But right now, I'm focused on helping the people in this sunshine state of ours, and, and we we want to set the example for the country to see how government is supposed to be run. Uh, it was George Washington, Annie, that says government is not reason. Washington said government is force, and like force, it can become a fearful master and a dangerous servant. I'm trying to avoid that prediction that the first president of the United States, George Washington, made when he said government is not reason, government is force, and like Force, like force, it can become a dangerous servant and a fearful master. I do not want that to happen. But with, with what you're seeing happening in Washington, D.C., with Joseph Rubino Biden, he is trying to use force, he's trying to use coercion, and he's trying to be that dangerous and fearful master. Well, you know, you and Mike were, were saying about pushback, and I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm waiting for a response because I haven't gotten one yet. Uh, 
There is a professor out of Penn State, Dr. Samuel Richards, uh, was teaching critical race theory. I don't know if you heard about this clown, uh, but he told a white student that if he's breathing, he may have oppressed someone today. He goes, um, has your day been spent oppressing people? If not, that may be due to either the following. A, you didn't leave your house, or B, you're not white. So Pennsylvania State University professor Sam Richards uh, tried to whip up his students into shape, as he called it, and he said, um, I, I, I had highlighted this, but, but this, this guy was just saying, um, we say, look, uh, if you take the average white guy in class, wherever it is, it really doesn't matter. The guy right there, stand up, bro. What's your name? So he calls this kid up and goes, look at Russell here. Look right here. It doesn't matter what he does. And he turns around and says, simply for, because the fact the kid is white, he has oppressed people. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, he goes, uh, uh, he asks also, what white people do you find offensive? And the kid answers, conservatives, I guess. Oh, Lord. So, it's, for your... It's social, it's social engineering, Annie, and this is this is the, the dangerous uh, mantra that's, that's thrown enough mud at the wall, it's starting to stick. I mean, they know this, the pathology of this kind of nonsense it's got to be rejected so i tell you i'm 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 happy to be on this call today with you all unfortunately i have another appointment i have to attend to but i want to thank you and thank curtis for inviting me here it will not be the, the last time i will be back to share with you oh, some, of the, uh, some of the accomplishments and the um the, the things that we're doing in the legislative body to push back against this uh, this war that's been unleashed upon the American citizens, and uh, I've got my I've got my um, my musket ready. I've got my <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm ready for Locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. Locked. Yes. Well, Representative Barnaby, it has a blessing to have you on the show, and you know you are always welcome. So you become another cousin of the show. Well, praise the Lord and pass the ammo. My wife, my wife was in the <laughs> Texas Guard. And they, you know, the Texas National Guard, they say praise the Lord and pass the ammo. Yep. Yeah, sometimes. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. To, That's the song. Sometime yep. tomorrow you should be able to listen to this um, interview on the podcast. Beautiful. Brother well, Curtis, um, love you, man. You're, you're, you're just a, a real true blue patriot. And I thank God for Representative Mike Hill. My brother from another mother also. We, we're I appreciate together. that. Together. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. All right? We're not going That's to right. Stop us. We're back. We're no don't quit. No quitting. All right. God bless. No quitting. God bless. All right. All right. It's not in my lexicon. God bless you. Okay. All right. Check State Representative Webster Barnaby support his campaign by going votebarnaby.com. Oh, Curtis, I just wanted to add on to this thing about Professor um, uh, Sam Richards. I looked up on Penn State his email, and I shot him back an email. And you know me. I don't pull uh, punches. So I've been waiting for his response, and I don't think he has the cojones to respond back yet. And I said, uh, how dare you? How dare you deny God his decisions on earth? He chose each of us to be here and now, free of original sin, 
sin of our forefathers. What we do is our free choice. You have chosen badly. While you focus on the color of one's skin, not on building their content of character, you divide a wounded society. You create that divide by your arrogance and ignorance. In a society that is involved into a more racially acceptable and peaceful one, you thrust the knife into us, carve out your own self-centered niche, and push us apart. Until recently, and your BS CRT, we had more interracial marriages and children born, lower unemployment for women and minorities, more minorities rising from poverty to wealth. You are not a professor, but an agent provocateur. You don't seek to unite, but divide and feed off the evil you create like a vampire. It feeds you and gives you unjust power, evil and destructive power, white man. I would be embarrassed for you, but you are not even worthy of my contempt. And I signed my name. Well, you know, more professors like that should get letters from us. I, you know, went back to school in 2011 to 2012 uh, up in Jacksonville. And the liberal professors there, they, they, they're, you know, putting forth an agenda, and that is to um, smear the Republican Party, conservatives, and Christians, and to an extent, Jews. And that's why I cannot stand American Jews, understand American Jews, why they vote Democrat so much. But anyway, if you look at the textbooks that come out that these kids are reading and, 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 and are forced to do research papers on, it's very skewed. You know, it, it's it's one-sided almost. And, of course, we we get the raw end of the deal. Anybody that's um, pro-American, pro, pro-life and, and, you know, pro-military, pro-freedom, you know, we, we get raked over the coals in these books. And we, we have to get involved to see what's going on with these kids are being taught. The books that they're studying from to see, you know, what kind of agenda is being pushed forth because a lot of people just don't know. So I'm, I'm one of those that I, I'm, I'm about getting, you know, into the school system and, and just cleaning house and reclaiming, you know, the, the school system that I grew up on that was focused on, the, you know, three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And forget all this other stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you were still going to college now? Oh, no. I got my third degree back in uh, 2012 at the university. My um, my efforts now are all in my writings um, and all my education, my travels, my experiences here and abroad are reflected in the writings that I write. Um, whether it's a um, human um, interest book or political or um, military action or even romance, it's all reflective of the experiences that, you know, I deem, you know, influential in my life. And I think it, it could, you know, point the way for some people that may have gone through the same experiences or are going through the same experience I once once went through. So that's like re-educating others from my education. 
Because I remember going to college back in the 19th century, and uh, there were <laughs> some liberal professors. I like the way I did that one. Uh, there were liberal professors back then, but they weren't as aggressive and overt. You knew that they had oh, an agenda, yeah. but you could they still have activists. a conversation. Yeah, they're activists now. They're activists, they're activists now. Instead of opening up for conversation and letting the students go back and forth, one side to debate the other, that doesn't happen anymore. You're told to sit down, shut up, and accept what I say without questioning a single word. And yeah. these sheep do exactly that, and then they parrot and act as if they know it all when they haven't even been out there and existing in society long enough, interacting in society, actually going and working a job, but yet they know better than those of us that have lived a lifetime. No, no. Yeah, most of these professors are like in their mid-30s. I mean, what do they know about life? (laughs) Even at 40, I would question, you know, their knowledge base. I think a good professor is probably one who has – been around at least, I'd say, 46 years um, to be really experienced and, and know something, especially if they got outside of the classroom and really experienced life. But um, other than that, these these um, young professors, they're just uh, uh, another level of what they were taught when they were going through school. Now they're, they're um, teaching um others to replace them or to, you know, be join ranks with them. And it's just horrible. You know, you, you got kids who, who look at their parents these days as though they're from Mars or something because we believe in liberty, freedom, capitalism, and all that. And, and how could you be such, you know, you're selfish, you self-centered, you know, you walk, you did this on the back of the disenfranchised and the poor. That's what they're being taught. So, of course, they're going to look at us as demons, you know, when they, they're also taught not to listen to us because, hey, you know, if they did listen, they might learn something and they might wake up. Oh, no, but now now you've got the federal government, the FBI, uh, telling kids to rat out anyone with an offensive tweet. And, yeah, uh, that's socialism. Yeah, now PayPal. If they feel that you – now, PayPal. I use PayPal all the time. Suddenly now, if you happen to get donations or money uh, through PayPal and, heaven forbid, you're something that they feel is objectionable or something like the Tea Party, uh, no, no, you're cut off. You're denied access. Yeah. So now you have banks and financial institutes. Censoring you, blacklisting you because of your political beliefs. I bet they'd never do that to a Black Panther. Oh, no. Or mm-hmm. somebody from Black Lives Matter, you know. Muslim Brotherhood? Especially Muslims. You, If you have anything Islamic, you know, in your title or your name, they're not going to touch you. Mm. Maybe I'll and actually, change my name. I, I would like to. <laughs> I would like to see them try to force the Islamic community to do some of these things, these mandates that they want, to, you know, the rest of America to do. 
But of course, I can also see them giving them a waiver because they they're a religious, you know, group. So you know, they 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 know how to select their their prey, you know, who they really want to go after, and uh, excuse everyone else that they find favor with. But I will say this mm. much, you know, I really think they are afraid of another Trump, you know, administration because if Trump gets back in there. I think he's going to go after all these corporations, all this other mess, you know, the the cancel cancel crowd, all of that. And I think he's going to bring some um, antitrust suits against some of these companies too, because they're just too big for their britches. Uh, I yeah. think it's going to be yeah. another Teddy Roosevelt, like uh, Teddy broke up Standard Oil. So that's what we need uh, now, uh, because Google them become too powerful. And this time, he's going to be a lot more careful about who he picks as his vice president. Um, right. And whoever is going to be the vice president, you can bet, would run immediately after his term ends. So it wouldn't be just four years of Trump. It would be Trump's influence for 12. And that's what I hope. I'm hoping. You know, I've been cautious. I've been sitting on both sides of the fence. Well, I can understand America's going to be divided again. Maybe not. I think there's a lot of people that sat back and said, well, yeah, he took to Twitter. Uh, Maybe he shouldn't have done. Well, possibly, but he woke up America. He really did. He woke up the sleeping giant. And I think with Biden and this administration and China's influence on it, and you go down the whole list, um, has actually taken middle America that turn around normally says, let me just go take care of my family, get my job and my business going, I don't, whatever. They're finally saying, oh, wait a minute. Maybe my vote and my voice really does mean something. And people are starting to find their voice. People that have voted in the past, Democrat, are starting to turn around and say, maybe... There's a problem with this side of the ticket. Let's check out the other side and start listing a little more, which is why something like the book that Daphne and Bill wrote together and the movie they put together is so important to finally listen and try to unite our voices for a common cause, for the good of this nation. And I really think had Trump not been robbed of this past election, things would have improved even more. Um, and, and people, you know, most people, especially Americans, they love a winner. I don't care what side you're on. They love the underdog and they love a winner. And especially uh, a winner who who is making you a winner, you know. And um, people were seeing more um, in their paychecks. They saw less taxes going out. Um, they saw, you know, um, how our military decimated ISIS and and all these other terrorist groups. You don't hear about them too much anymore like you did in other administrations because Trump, you know, he he didn't micromanage. He let the military do what they do best and that's go after people and kill them, you know, and, and tear up property <laughs> if it comes to that. But I, I think we'll see a resurgence of patriotism if Trump gets back in um, and America, you know, uh, 
resumes her rightful place in the world as the the most powerful country and the most um, freedom-loving country in the world. Well, you know, I have to laugh because um, normally whenever Trump went somewhere, his motorcade would have hundreds of thousands of people lining the motorcade, waving flags and Trump signs and everything, cheering him on. Now what they're doing when Biden's comes through, that same crowd is out there waving Trump flags and signs and giving Biden the middle finger. So, hey, I love that. I love that. I, I mean, he went he I went to that. Pennsylvania, and I, I was watching the motorcade. There's a clip up on YouTube or Facebook, I forget which, uh-huh. someone sent me. And here he is going through Allentown, Pennsylvania, and his motorcade's coming around. <laughs> There's all these Trump signs. Hey, that, that's great. I, we need to pass that along <laughs> to every Republican, you know. When Biden motorcade show up, show up with Trump signs, yeah. like Trump yeah. really won, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I, I had to laugh. Yeah, I, but it's peaceful. You know, no one was hurling rocks or bottles like you got from Black Lives Matter. Nah. No one was burning well, down police stations or burning up police cars. It was peaceful. And it was cheerful. It was peaceful and cheerful. And then now... um you have Nasty Pelosi has this mask mandate for the House. And God bless some of these people that, that, that our nation has elected to uh, Congress. Louis Gomer, he's a sweetheart. Matt Getz from Florida. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's been on the show here uh, from Georgia. Um, we have the January 6th inmates. Still haven't come. Only one person has come to trial. Uh, and pleaded guilty and got himself a slap. And uh, I, I'm really, I think they're still waiting for the sentencing. I don't know if they've actually sentenced him yet. Um, but because these these members are members of the, what do they call it, the prison reform or whatever the commission is, you know, it's their job to vote on legislation to allocate funds for the various penal institutions across the nation. So they went to the jail in D.C. where these January 6th people have been sitting there waiting. What is this? This is the end of July for now going close to seven months for charges and for a court date. And they're still sitting there. I mean, heaven forbid it was Black Lives Matter. They're in one door and out the other a few hours later. So they're they're wanting to go in to inspect the facility. So they get to the facility, and the three of them enter the lobby. Marjorie Taylor Greene was describing last night, the place was filthy. It definitely was not mm. sanitary. And that was the lobby alone. Heaven forbid what they find in the cell area. Mm. Well, they're asking to gain access, to do an inspection, and to speak to these people, because uh, they're getting reports of horrid, horrid abuses put in solitary confinement, denied access to be called on their attorneys. In some cases, there have been reports of them being bitten by, not been beaten by the prison guards. And the stories that are coming out from behind bars is absolutely disgusting. And uh, they're looking to find out what is exactly going on. Well, the prison guard turns around and points outside to where a prison supervisor was standing. He goes, well, I don't have the authority. You have to talk to the supervisor, and she's outside. So they go back out the door to talk to the supervisor, and what do they do? They locked the door, 
and denied them access to the facility. So they had actually gone into the lobby, were directed to go back outside to talk to someone. And as soon as they did, they took the opportunity to bar them, members of Congress, and then telling them that the members of Congress are breaking the law by obstructing the administration of the facility and obstructing access. The audacity. And Louis Gohmert said, this, Louis Gohmert goes, oh, that's, that's government. That's our, this is what our government has come to? And he was disgusted. And I don't blame them. All three were absolutely often disgusted. But this is what yeah. the, oh, the Biden, I was going to say Obama, but it is Biden-Obama administration, uh, Susan Rice, Barry Jarrett administration, George Soros yeah, administration. Yeah, you can throw the Clintons in there, too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but this is what our our government Made has now done. It's no longer a democratically elected and represented republic. It has become a tyranny. And we've got a fight to take it back. And the fight's going to start at the ballot box. Now, we've got an off-season election coming up this November. Make sure you know what's on that ballot and you get out there and vote. Because off-season... No one's going to pay attention to it. Less than 10% of the people will ever even vote in an off-season election. So that's why we got to get our numbers out there. And we got to say, this has got to stop. And now Pelosi turns around and puts down a mask mandate for the House. Wait a minute. On one side of the rotunda at the Capitol is the Senate, and they don't require masks. And on the other side is the House of Representatives, and they require masks. And the only thing that separates the two is the rotunda, where everyone intermingles. So anyone entering the Capitol, if you're there for the House, she instructed the Capitol Police to arrest anyone, any staff member, any visitor, because you can't arrest a member of Congress, any staff member of that congressman and any visitor to that congressman, that is not wearing a mask, not just in the rotunda, on the floor of the house, and in their offices. If you find See. someone sitting in one of those offices without a mask, she instructed them to arrest. On what charge? See, this what, what's is... the law? Where's in the Constitution say that you must wear a mask? Tell me, what is the violation? Breathing? This is... This is why I have the views I have about collectivism, because in a collectivist society, individual rights don't exist. You know, you don't have the option of making your own decisions, not even about your own welfare, health and welfare. It has to be decided by, and Nancy is representing that group, and she's saying that we know better than you about your health circumstances, your well-being. So we decided, you know, you're going to wear a mask or we're going to penalize you. And that's that's just the way they are, you know, what they can't get through um, coercion or just, you know, compromise. They try to mandate and penalize people. We're our side, and I think we need to really make this more acute, the differences. Our side believe in individual rights, you know, if you want to wear a mask, that's fine. You know, you wear it. You, you should know, you know, 
what you need to do and, and not do. But, you know, the left, they don't believe in that. They don't. They, they have a collectivist mindset. It's the herd mentality, I call it. You know, the law is for thee, but not for me. As a matter of fact, I, I, had a, I had a crack up. I'm walking through the living room the other day, and I hear those words on Newsmax. And I said, dang, I have been saying that now for going on two years. The law is Which for words? thee and not for me. The law is for thee and not for me. You, you've oh. heard me say it millions of times. And also, I hear it on oh, yeah. Newsmax. They're going, wait a minute. Maybe someone at Newsmax is listening in. <laughs> well, I do know I, I at do one remember, point someone from Fox was listening. <laughs> I do remember um, Nancy getting that hair, hair um, stylist to open up just for her when everybody yeah. else was forced the to wear Cal- the mask. The rest of California was closed down. And you're only yep. allowed, I believe, there's one or two customers in the salon at a time. But they must be wearing masks. And now all of a sudden, there she is caught on camera. And, you know, this is the funny part because I was listening for the interviews after Louis Gohmart, Matt Getz, and Marjorie Taylor Greene were kicked out of the prison. And they're saying, we're not, you know, some of them were saying, yeah, we're going to wear it on the floor. And Marjorie Taylor goes, no. Um, what was the name of this guy now? Uh, oh, Jesus. There's another congressman that said, I am not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to tell my staff to wear a mask. And if anyone attempts to arrest anyone, bring it on. He said, bring it on. Now, the funny part is, is that all these progressives that are mandating the mask, including Nasty Pelosi, the second they walk off the floor and into the hallway and the rotunda, the mask comes off. off. And they're, they're... they're hugging, they're shaking hands, they're gathering up real close together in groups and laughing, smiling, but no one's wearing a mask. So it's, again, the law for thee and not for me. If the camera so, shows on them, also the mask is back on. Yep, the, the, it, the reporters it, are the same way. <laughs> Once the spotlight's like, on them, they put the mask on. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to laugh, especially with these reporters, because, you know, I've been in the press pit many times. And, and you look at them, they're about maybe 10 feet away from the cameraman, and there's no one within 20 or 30 feet of them, but the mask goes on because the camera's on. And I'm like, who's going to give it to you? I mean, you, the, the closest person is 10 feet away. And you're keeping everyone distanced so they don't get into the shot and interfere with what you're trying to say or do. There's no one around you. You're all by yourself. It's like the people that drive in their cars with the windows rolled up and the mask on. You don't even have a dog in the car, much less another person. So why are you wearing a mask in a car with the windows closed and probably the AC blaring? (laughs) You've got a freaking mask on. I just, you, 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 go, you wonder what goes through these people's heads. And then again, it comes down to the herd mentality. The sheeple are being led. It's no longer we the people leaving. It's the sheep being led by the puppet. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You know, next they want the, the vaccine passports. Again, if they that's not going to fly. It's going to be lawsuits left and right. Already, 
um, there's a First Amendment religious freedom litigation going on. Uh, let's see. Oh, Liberty Council, Matt Staver, uh, they've started to initiate a lawsuit against the VA uh, mandating vaccines for Title 38 employees. Oh, yeah, um, the VA of all agencies. Yeah. So the VA is actually uh, Fauci and I forget what department, whatever it is, um, Department of Veterans Affairs is mandating that all employees get the vaccine. Now, there is um, a number of people, and it's not just a handful, but a large number of people that have had bad, adverse reactions to the vaccine. And I've I've mentioned this on the show. My sister and her husband, my brother-in-law, both contracted COVID. Uh, They had gone to a funeral for a family member. And one of the individuals there had COVID and ended up spreading it around, spreads it the wealth. The individual did not know that they had it. They were asymptomatic. There was no way of them to know. So it was just one of those things. There was no way. It's like you walk into a room and someone has a cold next to you, you know, you've got a cold. You, had, you, you didn't know. She has the long COVID. So she still is having adverse reactions. But in the interim, she's went and gone and got the vaccine. And again, she had horrific reactions. And she was asking me whether or not to go for the second one. And I said, listen, getting the COVID vaccine is the same thing as having the second shot. Because your first shot was you getting the COVID. And the second shot, that that first vaccine shot is, in, in effect, the same thing as the second shot. As if you just had two shots. I'm advising her not to. The side effects that are coming across that we're hearing about are so horrific. And most people won't have one. You have no idea. And perfectly healthy people that have never had a problem in their life got the vaccine and ended up with really bad side effects. One woman was paralyzed. And and I'm listening and watching to both sides of the stories. It's your decision. It is your body. It is your life. It should be your decision and no one else's. And the only thing I can tell you is sit down and talk to your doctor. Go to your GP. And if you don't have one, I would suggest maybe even a local doc in the box. You know, go in there and say, hey, listen, you know, this is what I face every day in life. Whether you've got a heart condition, arthritis, whatever, whatever it is you're dealing with. Sit down and have a good, honest conversation. And I did that with my doctor. And he had COVID. He had to close down his office for a month. Because he contracted COVID. He went to a home of a patient who he knew had COVID. And he normally wears the face mask plus a shield. And this one day, he didn't wear the shield. And I guess the droplets got in his mask. And he inhaled it and he got it. So even wearing a mask does not prevent you from getting COVID. It may prevent you from spreading COVID. It's got the opposite effect. Everyone says, wear the mask and that way you're protected. No, it's the other way around. So I sat down. I had an honest conversation. He went over my medical records. We went through it one by one. And he goes, he said to me, my advice, don't. Because I'm one of those that would probably have one of those adverse effects. Did the same thing with my mom. 
and we went through the whole thing and the same answer. You've got to have that conversation and then follow the medical advice. And if anyone in government turns around and knocks on your front door, make sure you get locked and loaded. <laughs> Don't shoot, though. Just tell them to get the hell off before you call the cops and have them arrested for trespassing. Because even the government does not have the right to step on your property without your permission. Rant of the day. We're down, we're down to our last seven minutes. Oh, my goodness. Unless they have what? Was yeah. that Curtis? Unless they had a warrant. Yeah, well, then you better show it to me and give me. Yeah, you better show it to me and show me what the reasonable suspicion or cause is. Because if it's not a valid warrant, get off. I'm not opening the door. <laughs> I'm sorry. And if the ranting on this show is enough of a reason, uh-uh, uh-uh, try again. Because I will evoke my First Amendment right of free speech. Get off my lawn. Anyway, um, let me pull up uh, the show for uh, for next week because we already have – oh, yeah, we've got your friend Carla De La, uh Rosa. Uh, she's running for oh, Grace. Said, what, school board. Grace, Grace. Actually, I'm thinking actually yeah, school board, Grace DeRosa, right. and our good friend Karen Watson right? from yes. Texas. Yeah, she has the book out, uh, Being Black in, oh, the, what was it? The, something in the under era Obama, of being, Obama, something like Obama. that. Obama, yes. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Karen Watson, we love having her on. She's a good friend of the show. And then I'm going to be having an interview with Kevin Sorbo, which we will play on Friday's show. He can't be there live on Friday, so I'm pre-taping it. Now, normally I don't do that. I like to have the interviews done live. Uh, but he's got a really busy schedule, so he will be talking about Daphne and uh, Bill's book as well as other projects he's got in the works. So we've got ourselves a lot of stuff coming on. I don't know what happened to Mark Tapp, Scott. Or our friend from uh, Heritage Foundation, uh, I will find out what's going on and see if we can get them rebooked. Uh, something has to be going on, obviously. And if anyone knows, if I'm, I haven't been watching the news since I've been on air. And usually Friday is when the, it hits the fan. <laughs> so I'm sure something is happening that has taken their attention away from little old us. Uh, a matter of fact, <laughs> Mark Tapscott just <laughs> texted me. <laughs> What and I say? will read it. He goes, oh, crap. I'm so sorry. I was working and completely lost track of time. Should I call her now? <laughs> We're going off air. <laughs> yeah. They have to be rescheduled. Um, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> Reschedule. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> well, we've had a fun show. It went really fast, despite uh, the fact that we didn't have um, uh, our last two guests on. But that's all right. And uh, we're going to leave uh, the show uh, thanking everyone for joining us. And thank you for all uh, the good thoughts and messages people have been giving me over the past month. Um, some days are good. Some days are are easier than others. Today was a pretty good day, except for fighting with LifeLock this morning. <laughs> anyway, yeah. oh i got to tell you, within he passed away exactly one month ago, and within 11 days, someone tried to take a loan out under his name. So, yeah, you, you got to cover your butts, guys. You know, protect yourself and your, your loved ones now. 
So when anything does happen, they're protected and they know that everything else is okay. So they don't have to worry about those little details. Take care of them now. It's, it's a good thing to do. Anyway, I'm going to leave everyone with the song by our friend Gary Piccarella, Save America. And that's what we got to do. Remember, election coming up this November. It's an off year, but get out there and vote. So until then, I say thank you, everyone. Until then, I say good night and God bless. America, America.